seeing one just seemed like some fucking portal to hell opening up in the, in the everyday world. It's just so scary to me. I've worked my ass off over the last year driving all over the fucking country looking for like good trades. Oh, I worked towards this collection. It pissed me off. If they're weighing what a character should and shouldn't do based on like what is appropriate politically or socially to show, it's like that's kind of nuts to me. Like to try yeah. to wrap my head around that as a creative enterprise. Jesus, the main character of the first season dies in the last episode. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. Like you think yeah. the whole series is going to be about him. Yeah. Up <laughs> until the frame when his head gets chopped off, you're like, okay, something's going to happen. They're going to save right. this guy, right? Like, yeah. this, is, this is the guy we're going to follow for the whole show, <laughs> right? No. Yeah. yeah. No. They kill him. <laughs> All right, and we are live. Welcome to Long Walk Short Drink, episode 71. This is Palmer podcasting to you live from Dayton, Ohio. That way, hang on, I got to mute something. (laughs) I thought you forgot. Yeah, I know. It's like on an echo. (laughs) I forgot to mute my... So you have to have the feed open so you can have the chat. And I've had one of them unmuted, so it was looping. You couldn't hear it, though, could you? No, 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 that's that's all right. We couldn't go through the whole show with you hearing it like that. No, (laughs) God, it was awful. Oh, man. (laughs) For those of of you who have heard in previous episodes, when that does make it onto the recording, it is atrocious when that happens. (laughs) Oh, anyways, way to screw up a roll in there, Palmer. Anyways, podcasting right. to you from Dayton, Ohio, surviving the great tornadoes of 2019. They they think up to four tornadoes touched down in this general area. Um, how, the, how many was it? The, the thing? Well, we know for two for sure. Um, but Ash said she heard on the news that after they went back through all the like meteorological data, there was technically four that started somewhere around here. I guess I don't know. But oh, after I they was hearing, went back, I was hearing even more. <laughs> oh no! Well, I mean, across the nation there were tons, but in our area, like in our immediate area, there was like it was some ridiculous amount. Yeah, but yeah. Like, I'd, I'd, I, I want to hear about, well, just uh, in case any new listeners, this is Dave podcasting to you for Northfield, Minnesota, uh, where we've had no extreme weather. Uh, but yeah, but as Palmer was starting to say, like you had an intense night the other night. Uh, tell me what, how it was for you guys. Uh, it was because, to- well, like- just, I'm sorry, before I turn it over to you, I woke up, I, I listened to very little news, read very little news. I listened to the five minute NPR update like two or two times a day usually morning and evening and so first thing i heard like i don't know that i've ever heard the word dayton on this update before so to hear it and i, I it was 
absurd the amount of tornadoes they were talking about in general in the Midwest in a few d- different states. It was like double digits. Yep. I want to say 50-something, yeah. which could be wrong. And well, and and they so said I, over I the course you, of but... like a week or something or over the course of one month, it's, oh, it's okay. like broken okay. some ridiculous weather like record, like in the multiple tens of tornadoes, like up to 80 tornadoes, I think it's like... Oh, my God. Hang on. Let, let, let me, let's get in. Let's go to our supercomputer that we're attached to. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> tornadoes, 2019. Let's see here. 12 straight days of tornadoes shatter the U.S. twister record. Leave Heartland. Let's see here. What this says. Struck Dayton, Ohio, causing it was like an F three. They think there, uh, there was one fatality, and that fatality was a car was thrown through somebody's living living room wall and landed on a a man who was sitting in his living room. Uh, oh my god! Um, that's why I, I I feel really bad talking because about our experience in it because it was. Absolutely. I'm just trying to see if they say a, a number here real quick. The official record uses observed benchmark reset. Turn tornadoes 70 straight days. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure this article would say it, but uh so Ash and I had taken um I had some a big project that I had to plan for work and our anniversary was last week and so we I knew that that big project was going to eat up like even into our like personal time the last like Wednesday Thursday and Friday of last week. Mm-hmm. And so we had kind of agreed like we knew like months in advance of that. So we had kind of agreed that let's just play it low key for an actual anniversary day but because it's you know, because we were smart uh, and got married on Memorial Day weekend, we always have a three-day weekend that's around our anniversary that yeah. we can always just say, well, let's just do our anniversary on the three-day weekend. So we decided to add a personal day, take Tuesday off so we could extend that by one more day because uh, I needed to be at work on Friday or else we would have just taken Friday off too. Um, and so... We already had the Tuesday off, so Monday we were up, luckily. That was the one bad – there was a lot of bad things about this, of course. One being it's happened so late at night. It was like pushing 11 when everything really started to get hairy. We knew all day Monday that there were going to be bad thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they started getting really bad, and then our phones started going off. Well, and – we're really married to Apple right now. Uh, so we have watches and phones and iPads and all of those things went off simultaneously, uh, which uh, a, a coworker and I were talking to about it today because it was my first day back in the office today. And he's like, I guess that's one, one thing that has to be a true positive about having these cell phones become so ubiquitous in our lives is that I know that the, that advanced warning system saved lives Monday night, like Hmm. got people's attention and got them like moving. So yeah, it was, um, we kind of just watched the news and then it started to, you know, started to be like, Oh, we have confirmed tornadoes in the Dayton area. Like 
you should get down and seek shelter and the light show that was amazing like the it was really crazy lightning going off outside and uh but not a lot of rain that was a, the really eerie part there was just not a lot of rain and so we got downstairs and we were downstairs for maybe like a, a like in the basement for like maybe a half an hour and then all of our devices went off again and said, you know, all's clear, like everything's fine. So we like, oh, good. Go back upstairs. And we no sooner got upstairs and turned on the news just to see, like, what the, because nothing really happened here. Our, our electricity maybe flickered twice. Um, and that was about it. High wind, like heavier than normal wind and a lot of lightning, a little bit of rain, and that's it. Um, and so then we, uh, got upstairs and we no sooner got back, turned the news back on that he's like, folks, I really hate to do you do this to you, but there's another tornado sighted in the area. Like you need to take seek shelter again, like the band. I, I, I'm not a meteorologist, but I think like the literally it moved through so fast, like the, it created a vacuum, which caused another like oh. ripple behind it. And so another smaller tornado came through. Um, the really bad one hit a large section of like a commercial area. And it was that, which it's awful that all those businesses have to rebuild, but because it was a commercial area, it hit multiple commercial areas, which was nice that it, because it was so late, nobody was there. Oh, that's yeah. I mean, there, there was an Aldi that was completely gutted. Like the, the, the picture of that is floating around the internet. Um, and you can see that the outside, you can see it's an Aldi, but then the inside, like what you can see from inside the store is empty and it's not from looters. Like it's, it literally got sucked out. Like the whole store got sucked out. Uh, there was a national tire and battery that was like a cinder block building and it had collapsed in on itself. Like there was, it was not standing anymore. Lots of roof damage, lots of trees down. Uh, we still are on a boil advisory. Um, oh, really? Yeah. From the power being off in surrounding areas? Well, uh, the two of our main pumping stations for our wa- that supply our water lost were knocked off the power grid. They were able to get one up by the next day, but it wasn't enough to feed the entire system. And so the other one still, I don't think, is back online yet. They're still start. They're still like that. That's why, like I feel so awful is because we're we're fine like we still had water pressure we could take a shower this morning um i don't know if that's advisable during a boil advisory but we needed to take a shower so (laughs) uh um but we still have electricity like my one co-worker doesn't have either of those things right now so oh man um it's just hard there was like the the like one good thing though is that like i mean if it is it's that's awful that that old man like that car flew into that old man but that was the only fatality and there was like five injuries so Mm. for the amount of damage because you can just drive like just driving down the highway there's like you can see the pathway it's so crazy like you can see where it came through and just like then like skirted up the highway and like continue down. Like you can see where it like jogged and everything is so weird. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, 
just crazy. I don't know. Mind blowing. I, I, I find tornadoes, uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but I find them especially just terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> to, the, the whole, like, everything about it, the visual, the entire sensory experience of just like seeing one just seems like some fucking portal to hell opening up in the, in the everyday world it's just so scary to me on all levels and so yeah that the fact that it struck so close to home definitely uh, caught yeah. my attention i'm trying to see if uh i'm trying to see if i can find the there's there was one photo oh yeah here it is um open in a new tab This right here, here I'll I'll text you this link. This is a um a pretty popular photo that was floating around of it that you can see. It's good already. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ! Here I'll share my screen real quick. Here, let me uh, let me put it on you there. Share. Oh, there it is. That and that's the one in, yeah, in Dayton. That's the Dayton. Oh. One, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, there's um, <laughs> and then it rumbles at you. People talk about it sound like a freight train. Yeah, and then of course in its wake, it just like sucks up everything and destroys it. It's yeah, all, it's and then like uses that like horror. it's not just that it uses that stuff, but it's like the more it consumes, the more devastating it becomes because it throws that stuff around and it basically turns it into like a giant sandblaster. That you yeah. that with cars as the sand, you know, like uh, that's what's crazy. Right? <laughs> yeah, and I think what it is too, it's like you know, hurricanes and typhoons and all that. They're very scary in the and similar probably in the devastation that they wreak. But the 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 way that the, the tornadoes are kind of shaped and gather and pull things in, it does feel like it, it, it's like a central figure almost. Yeah, it's almost like a monster that you know it's coming after you. It's yeah, sort of personification of angry nature i don't know it's uh <laughs> i can't deal with it <laughs> yeah no it's it's intense uh there's um a tweet from uh the one of the local weather ladies uh that said we we are receiving reports that they're using snow plows to clear the debris off of route 75 oh. and wow just crazy. I mean, just crazy stuff. Uh, yeah. There was a pretty devastating tornado that went through um, the Xenia area. I think that was in the 70s or 80s, maybe. Maybe the early 90s. Uh, when was the Xenia tornado? We had one um, come through the nor Northfield where I, I live in Minnesota last year. And um, yeah. I don't know if I talked about it on the show. I know I probably mentioned that it happened, but there's this place that we go to at least once a year called the Pizza Farm. It's like a farm house that has a stone oven and they open it on weekends and sort of select times throughout the a season for, and families come and kind of picnic and buy a pizza and stuff. And that place just got like eradicated. Um, and some, some newer friends of ours, we just went out to their home for the first time for like a 50th birthday over this past weekend. And they were showing us like, they're like, yeah, all of this was impassable. You couldn't, we couldn't get to our house. I had to, we had to walk to our house and it took us weeks to clear the debris as a neighborhood. And, and then it was on this lake and they took us around the lake and they're like, you shouldn't be able to see any of this. So, and this is all like a year later. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. I don't know. They're just so scary. It's terrifying. I think uh, tornadoes and tsunamis, those two, I think are the, because tsunami consumes 
like I feel in the same way. Like it just comes in and like surges in and grabs anything it can and then pulls it out, you know, and that just terrifies me too. Cause water is terrifying anyways, as, as a force. Um, if you've ever yeah. like stood in the ocean and like, and, and try to like walk against that undertow or anything like that, like it can be very terrifying. Oh yeah. Um, and then just to imagine tons and tons and tons of that, like that you can't control again, full of debris, like being a giant piece of oh. sandpaper then at that yeah. point, you know, and like the more it destroys, the more it can destroy. And, Oh, that's a that's a hell of a sentence. I'm yeah. a, I'm amazed. There's only like one major sort of tornado movie. <laughs> it seems like there yeah. ought to be tons of them as like because uh well, yeah, but I guess it's hard to simulate. <laughs> Wizard of Oz and Twister. I would say those are yeah. two, but I mean one's a fairy tale, I guess. But you got two. You got two though. You got um something exciting to drink or something to open with me? Um, I got a yeah, I got a bunch of stuff to open. I just we uh, we rearranged our whole house. Uh, oh really yeah well the whole downstairs to because we had a new pinball adventure and then oh yes had to make room for some for some more machines and then uh so our mini fridge now which is our beer fridge is mm -hmm. now in our living room oh that's troublesome yeah, yeah <laughs> to me it would be <laughs> i have to uh, put that stuff far away yeah thankfully it like i i mean i'm drinking i'm drinking cast there's still christmas ale in my fridge that's that's amazing yeah there's still christmas sale on our premises but not in my fridge <laughs> yeah yeah uh doing the bottle age thing yeah that's the way to do it i guess yeah that's more just like the bride forbid it she yeah. wanted it that's the only beer i think she really likes enough to like keep around oh wow yeah well She's... look let's grab our beverages of choice this right here this is just a fat tire belgian white oh yes you got nice. that in a variety heard, pack heard good things about that um, I have something called con convenient distraction flavored Imperial Porter. All right. Um, I I've been, you know, trying to just grab one offs here or there. Yeah. I don't, this is an Oso brewing company. It's an exquisite velvety, sumptuous, decadent, alluring, seductive, luxurious flavored Porter. Oh, with bourbon, vanilla beans, and locally roasted coffee. What? I don't know. It says Madagascar right. bourbon. That sounds uh, made up. Yeah. Anyway, I'm excited to try. I it. think that's just the label <laughs> you put on things to impress people. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. Hopefully, it's tasty. If it was that impressive, it would they they would sell Madagascar bourbon. They don't though. You just yeah. get Kentucky bourbon. Malt beverage with Madagascar bourbon. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I prefer, Kentucky yeah. bourbon. Anyhow, let's give it a whirl. All right. On three. Garby beverage of choice, Long Walkers, and three. All right. Ooh right um so what's been happening with you i had a tornado what do you got <laughs> yeah he did um nothing nothing like that and um mostly just been i mean i i think i went to washington dc for some training since we talked about general stuff and that was kind of cool in that i got to see some some filming locations from the exorcist i'm just going back several weeks now but i'm just trying oh, to think yeah, like things yeah. that happened to me beyond just watching or making stuff and that was cool. I uh, that's one of my favorite movies, and uh, I like going to DC. I kind of opted to go to DC for this tr training just because it was something that work would pay for, and I could kind of do it anywhere. I could even do it online, but yeah, they'd pay for me to go someplace once a year if uh, if I want. And so I went to DC, and uh, 
um so, oh my god i got so fucking lost one night though <laughs> yeah if you ever go to yeah i didn't tell the bride this hopefully she's not watching or ever listened but uh because like, i you're was safe. in trouble you are yeah. safe as long as yeah. she doesn't hear you talk about it now you're safe buddy yeah i've managed to i don't usually omit things i'm always just like i have such a guilty conscience yeah that i can't like don't tell me secrets and stuff like that yeah um but anyway so uh i the fr- i went there to stay at this particular hotel because um i liked the restaurant bar beneath i got like a great lakes seasonal there one time when i went there years ago for a different training anyway so um i i arrived and it, the it was closed for some sort of private event so i had to find some place else to eat and so motherfucker isn't that Look, the way it always works? I hate that. Yeah, it was it was a bummer, but I ended up finding a great place called uh, I think it's called Capital Burger, and yeah. it's um, a burger place like you know near the near the Capitol in in, uh, in DC, and um, it was a good walk. But that's part of what I like to do there is walk, and that's what I do for exercise. You know, I, most days I average about five miles uh, walking, and so I was like, okay, cool. Here's here's my chance, <laughs> and. Uh, and I got used Google Maps or whatever to get there. I had an amazing burger. Um, I actually went back there a couple nights later after trying other stuff, and uh, it was worth it. But on the way back, I got my phone died, and so oh. I I thought I knew like how I got there. It's like this road, then this road. There's some roundabouts, and I got fucked up at the roundabout. Went to this like CVS to get some stuff for the hotel, and then um, I was like, oh man, I don't know where. I am, uh, I've gone too far. And then I started to backtrack and I saw the guy that was my bartender. I was like, Oh Jesus Christ. He must've taken a bus up here. And then I was like, Oh fuck. That's where I ate. That's 40 minutes from my hotel. I'd already been walking for 40 minutes. Oh (laughs) shit. I was, uh, I was in trouble at that point. And so I ended up, eventually I went to like at a hotel that wasn't mine and used their, um, what do you call it? Like the guy, I had to ask twice. Like I had to come back because anyway, but eventually they helped me get uh, a cab because I couldn't like Uber or anything like that because my phone was dead. Right. And right. Thank God. Anyway, oh. so it worked out. So that was kind of notable in that it was just, I will always remember that. <laughs> uh, and that fucking <laughs> burger. <laughs> it was delicious. It was uh, so good. And you got so lost that you still came back for that burger again. Like that's I how did, that yeah. burger was. Yeah, because that would that could easily turn like dissuade a person from returning to that place. Right. Like, yeah. You know, at least in the same trip. Like <laughs> certainly. You know. Yeah. So I was just more careful to charge my phone. But, yeah. Um, or at least carry a charger with you. You know, like. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I did. That's actually what I did that the other time. Um, and it's funny when I went back the next time I spent just I like hung out there for quite a while instead of going all the way back to my hotel because the the place where I was getting the training was a walk as well. But there was a, the guy that was the bartender at that time, some really drunk guy came in and sat next to me. I didn't realize how drunk he was at first. And I was trying to read and he kept in, you know, talking to me and I was, it was fine. But eventually I realized he was like really drunk. Um, and he started hollering at the bartender, calling him Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> And all these other Star Wars references, uh, and I, I, I could kind of see it because he had a, a white shirt on and a vest. <laughs> Something about it <laughs> vaguely looked like Han Solo, and he had brown hair. But this guy was just like a hammered oh. businessman who 
who like he they went to get on the metro he and his uh, and buddy who had some long boring four-hour meeting and after already drinking for a few hours and then they came here and and uh, bothered han solo but uh, Whoa. uh anyway so th- it was kind of an interesting trip for that and then to see the uh, it's probably my third time there where i'm like ah you know they have these lettered streets i'm like i should go to m street or whatever it was see the the, used to be the hitchcock steps and then the exorcist movie was filmed there and they started calling it the the exorcist steps and so i went went and looked it up and and walked there and got to see them and it was cool to, to see them for sure but it was uh it's I don't know if it's always like this, but it was just like, um, what do you call it? Crossfitters. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're very steep, very tall stairs. And so it was just a bunch of people like running up and down them for exercise. And so I was trying to get a, just a clean picture and I couldn't and <laughs> like trying to get a sel- selfies and stuff. And it was just absurd. There's constantly people running. <laughs> I was like, this is not what this is for in my mind. It's what is it? I was, I was started shouting, not at them, but like in my mind, I'm like, it's exorcist, not exercise. (laughs) (laughs) Your mother's cocks in hell. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) I should have said all that (laughs) to them. Just trying to get a fucking selfie. (laughs) Goddamn exorcist. Uh, but it was cool to see him and to see some of the side streets. Um, this took a little uh, private tour. Um, in terms of like actual occurrences, like things I've done that's notable of, that's that's kind of, and that's going back a few weeks. I've mostly, but I have like um, uh, seen, I've been watching movies and reading stuff and enjoying all that. Um, the Bride and I went to, uh, it was not at the Alamo Draft House, but it seemed like it's a t- type of thing that should have been. Uh, 1989 Batman was uh, had a 30th anniversary screening um, through, like, I don't know, Fathom events or something like that. So uh, so we got to see it on the big screen with like a little intro thing. And that and was did really you, fun. Is that the, you, I, I saw in your text, that's the first time you saw that on the big screen? Oh uh, no! I definitely saw it like as a as a kid. Okay, um, I was gonna say I saw, times. Yeah, that was that's like one of my earliest movie going memories. I, and I went to Great Oaks and saw that. Oh and, yeah, me too. I can remember being in that lobby, and it was jam packed. And I remember mm-hmm. it was the first time that that I had seen that theater like that. Which, uh, for those of you who don't know, if you've never been to Great Oaks Cinemas, which is this little. In hindsight, now it's a teeny tiny movie theater. I mean, yeah, it must be little. Two screens, um, one lobby with like one little concession area that feeds for both those screens. And I don't know, maybe each theater maybe holds a hundred people, maybe a hundred and fifty each. Like it's not; they're not very big. And uh, I remember it just being all people in that concession area. And my brother was taking me and there was one of his friends from high school. He saw there and he's like, Hey man, how's it going? He's like, Are you excited to see Batman? And his friend was like, this is my third time seeing this today. <laughs> <laughs> today. Oh, today. Awesome. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and just that great. concept, like there was not, I was trying to, I forget what Ash and I were talking about, but this was like, there was not midnight releases of films back then. Like that wasn't a thing, you know, like, yeah, certainly not around us. No I mean, probably in the big cities, but, um, yeah, like I, 
yeah i i just re- i remember when they started doing those and it's just to extend the box the opening weekend right that's how they started anyways was like <laughs> okay well we can get away with doing it on thursday night at midnight because that's technically friday and then and then i remember when they started doing the on a three-day weekend they could do wednesday they would count the weekend starting on Wednesday night at midnight because Thursday counted on that thir- three-day weekend for the box office grosses. So, yeah, I remember when those happened. But, yeah, just hearing somebody say, I like, first it blew my mind as a kid to be like, you went to the movies three times in one day. And then, like, oh, to yeah. see the same movie. You know, I've never done time. any of that. <laughs> any of that up to that point, you know? like I've still never done that. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. So... Yeah, that was oh man, it was such a an event back then, yeah. um, and so, uh, I remember it so fondly, and it really like set me off like uh, as a kid. Like I liked Batman growing up, but then I saw that, and I was just like, yeah, Batman crazy, like going around protecting my block <laughs> in a Batman. <laughs> like I spray painted the '60s yeah. Batman mask black, and got my Dracula cape and folded the the collar down and the Batman pajamas. You could get Batman anything, you know, that yeah. summer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I got the killing joke. Like I started getting comic books and I don't, my parents I'm sure had no idea that comic books could be as mature as the killing joke comic that book is heavy, heavy. <laughs> yeah. And I really like, that was the first time I was seeing anything like the shit that happens in that book. Um, but, uh, great joker story. Um, <laughs> for those of you who are curious, it's definitely worthwhile. Um, the animated movie is, is cool in that it has Kevin Conroy and uh, and Mark Hamill as uh, Kevin Conroy's Batman. Mark Hamill's the Joker from like the Batman animated series Legacy, but the first like half an hour or twenty minutes is not from the book, and it's some weird concocted thing. So I'm I'm excited actually to rewatch that yeah. and just skip that opening <laughs> business where like Batman and Batgirl fuck. <laughs> that guy has played <laughs> Batman in more feature length films than any other person has played Batman. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. and it's. Uh, but I, and, and so re seeing, watching the movie, uh, in the big screen and stuff like that, I was all jazzed, uh, about Batman again. And I, this was actually before I went to DC, I guess. And I, I brought with me the Dark Knight, uh, returns, uh, animated movie, which is a two parter. I think you probably get it in one disc now or whatever streaming, but that one is really great and like super faithful to the comic and, um, such a, oh man, I, I, I don't know what it was. I, I wasn't particular. I don't think I was drunk or anything like that. Cause I made a point of not drinking in the hotel and stuff, but I just like kind of bawled my way through it. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. I was, uh, I was, so I've been in a kind of a Batman, uh, place. Um, there's a great, I meant to put on my shirt, but I was just too hot. There's a great, uh, like all of the Batman movies prior to the blanket on the name christopher nolan batman movies um came out like all the previous warner brothers films came out on dvd in these really jam-packed special editions in 2005 when batman begins came out but i don't think i really saw any of them till uh, it's just around 2012 or so when we moved here like when i was uh it was after the dark knight rises came out that's right, isn't it? Yeah. A yeah. lot of Dark Knight this, that, or the other. Or Batman well, there's Batman Returns. Begins, Dark Knight Rises, and then... Uh, well, there's just the Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. the Dark, Dark Knight, Knight Rises. Rises. Yeah. But a lot of that like came from the Dark Knight Returns book, but there's also Batman Returns and 
yeah. the movie, Tim Burton movie. Anyway, but um, so I dug out my um, Batman 2005 like special edition because the the special features on this are so cool in terms of, like the history of the comic book and the stuff about oh, the movie wow. itself and, and most a are lot those, of it's on youtube are it's, those dvds oh, or are they uh blu-rays uh i have it as a dvd but okay. i would guess there's blu-rays and it was the kind of thing you would see at target well i don't know if the ones at target would have you'd see like a four pack of like batman batman returns batman forever and batman and robin all in one thing for 10 bucks now oh wow. um but so I, I went through all of that which is really fun um and uh and i think what i'm gonna do next is uh i'm gonna start watching episode by episode the 66 batman oh uh, batman 66 which i got on blu-ray when it came out a few years ago but haven't started to watch i was lucky enough somebody got it for me for like christmas or something so i haven't watched it but that was one of the things i remember about that summer too 89 uh was that they started re-airing those a lot and so yeah. i was watching them a lot as a 10 year old or whatever I would have been. Um, I got this before, but I pulled it out when in my rewatching of things like the, the VHS for Batman 89 is such a cool, like it had beautiful just, just if you're looking like viewers on YouTube can see uh, like the DVD from 2005, you have um, you can see like the full bat signal in that iconic logo that they made for that movie. But on the VHS, like it's much more like the poster and it's like cut off on the side. And I don't know why, but that's just so awesome. Like there's no title, just that insignia is what you would see. Yep. And, uh, it was one of the few movies that would, it was like this and home alone and a couple other things like that. in that short period of time that were, they would come at a retail price at, at like 1999 yep. or 1995 or something like that. Uh, you could buy them like at the grocery store or at Kmart or whatever. And so um, I, I remember like the ad, uh, the there's an ad for like a cattle. Actually, the, it's heavy too. It's back when, before they would make VHS so cheap. Like it's literally got a, yeah. a weight to it. Um, anyway, but uh, so I've been having, having fun with that. And uh, I haven't started that rewatch yet but of the 66 series, but I'm looking forward to it uh okay one other thing relatively short is uh we also saw an old movie on the big screen but i never saw this before which was nine to five. Oh, it's a, such a classic <laughs> yeah I've, i have i had never seen it i had in my mind this image of dabney coleman on the toilet with a shotgun being pointed at him yeah <laughs> but i didn't really have any context for it i didn't realize till just last weekend that it was a kind of a fantasy sequence but um and that was an Alamo Draft House thing, uh, one of their movie parties. So they have these various screenings at the Alamo Draft House chain um, where uh, if, if you don't have one nearby you or if you do, they're worth, it's so worthwhile to go see. They're called a Draft House. So you can get beer there. You can get full meals. Um, you've got big chairs you sit in and like order cards. It's so great. Um, and they'll, they'll license these movies or whatever. And sometimes like we're... A, looking at upcoming things and one of them was top gun i got all excited but it's oh. not coming to like our market so oh. and there'll only be like one show in fact that night we had to make a choice as to whether <laughs> the bride it was actually the one to want to 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 go to this uh movie it's an old favorite of hers and she's like i have to tell you something i kind of don't want to tell you because <laughs> you know there's this other movie playing at the same time there and there's only one showing of these uh any of the, the these old movies 
And I was like, I don't, I don't even want to know. Like, I'm not going to go. Like, why would I, I don't even want to know. She's like, ah, but I feel like you should though, just in case. And it's Roadhouse. <laughs> Roadhouse is having a 30th anniversary screening. <laughs> oh, you're going that, right? You got to go. No, it was that. at the same time as nine to five. Oh, so we had to pick. And, uh, I think we, I, I, I don't know. I'd never seen nine to five. I thought it'd be, anyway, but it was very great to go to that movie, which was a super fun experience and walk out and see across the hallway, the marquee or like the poster be like Swayze, Swayze dog, like leaning up against the wall in his boots and jeans. <laughs> just like ready uh, to be awesome. He's just like ready to kick some yeah. ass as Dalton. Um, uh, but so at these, um, movie parties, they give you look party favor. So I brought one from a past one that we first movie party we went to was say anything where they give you a little foam boom box oh, and nice. encourage you to like hold it up at the moment in the movie that, that he does that or to shout out favorite lines that you might have, which is very fun, especially it's fun in general, but at that movie theater, one of their other hallmarks is that they allow no talking or texting. Like you get one warning and you will get thrown out. Oh, <laughs> and then, like wow. they put it before the, so it's, that's pretty cool. And then they gave you, and uh, say anything, they give you a pen. It's too, you can't quite read it. But in that movie, famously, Diane Court breaks up with Lloyd Dobler and gives him a pen. And he says up to the, on the phone to someone, he's like, I gave her my heart and she gave me a pen. And so they give you a pen that says, to Lloyd Dobler from Diane Court. Oh. <laughs> in draft house. Um, so that's the party favors for that movie. And we had such a fun time with that, that we were especially excited that this 9 to 5 would be a movie party. And uh, the party favor was a, another pen <laughs> just says, goodbye, boss man. It's quitting time and it's pink and blue. But this thing I'm just a little like obsessed with is they give you a mug and it, it says ambition on it. It's a yellow mug with a kind of the seventies yeah. letters that says ambition. And it's from the line in the song where Dolly Parton says, pour myself a cup of ambition. Yeah. <laughs> so every morning I'm like, pour my coffee, singing to that in my head <laughs> to this little mug. Oh. It's all very simple, but like, just like I've just been enjoying a lot of like small sort of pleasures of that variety. Yeah. Uh, and lots of King stuff that maybe we'll get into later. But um, that, yeah, that's that movie fun. was that's just it. like, it's so progressive, especially when you think about when it came out. And the reason I know that movie so well is because my mom loved that movie. It had, well, the th- three women in it my mom loved. And then uh, it just really spoke to my mom because she went through that. Like she had to find a job and like go out and start working in the 80s and uh, it just spoke to her the, like the the office life and the like dealing with shitty men and having to be subservient to them, even though you do most of the work and all that bullshit. Like, it's just so good. Uh, such a great, great movie. <laughs> I just went to IMDb to see what year and stuff. And the it was 1980. And of course, I don't, I don't think we've said out loud, but it stars Jane Fonda, L- Lily Tomlin, Dolly Parton. And uh, the, the, t- the one sentence... Uh, description is three female employees of a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot find their way, find a way to turn the tables on him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because like that's something that they say a bunch of times about him. In fact, at one point he even calls himself that, but everyone always says it with, like you say, a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, that was, it was such a fun movie and it was super fun to see it in that, uh, in that light. I'm, I, most people watch Grace and who watch Grace and Frankie think of Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda 
as f- a fond pair because of nine to five. But right. funnily enough, I think of them. I, I enjoy, I'm watching them in nine to five thinking like, Oh shit, that's Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have they had a Dolly so Parton cool. cameo on Grace and Frankie? That they have, or did they, or I just didn't remember. No, I don't know. Like I'm wondering, I don't think they have. You know, like they that should. would be, that's such a missed opportunity if they have not yet. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just like bring her on for just, even if it's just for one episode. Cause it's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. That'd be so fun. They're making that show. So they should be able to do any of that stuff that they want, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. It does get a little lurid because, like Lily Tomlin, like doesn't she ha- like have a sex toy? She's tr- like sex toy business. Oh yeah, they or something, they have or... a they have a business together, and everybody um, smokes and weed Frankie. and like <laughs> yeah. you know their business they... is vibrators for old, <laughs> yeah. old ladies. <laughs> uh, so may- that could be like it. It could be that like Dolly Parton doesn't want to be. Oh, she might not. Yeah, you know, I had I had never seen her in a movie that I remembered. Like, I think I remembered her kind of being in movies, but I never saw like Best Whorehouse in Texas or anything like that. Yeah, or I'd never seen this, and I found her just delightful. Like, oh, I could, she's I charming. She was very charming, just dynamite. Yeah, and so fun to watch. Um, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was it was a really fun uh, experience that, and I'm obsessed with that mug. <laughs> um, speaking of of movies, did did you see? Uh, we haven't really had a chance to discuss it yet. Um, did you see Endgame? Like, oh yeah, yeah. We saw that uh, uh, opening uh, weekend. I'm trying to. I don't remember it we a lot. <laughs> finally, just got to see it on Wednesday and uh, last Wednesday. How, how did it hit you? God, it was just superb storytelling, in my opinion. Just like riveting. They jammed so much in. It didn't feel like three hours. Um, no yeah i remember that it didn't feel that it was all time travel which is one of my like <laughs> like science yes. fiction favorites you know yeah. like yeah uh so all that was great they fucking called thor lebowski and he dressed like <laughs> the big lebowski <laughs> like, right. like oh my gosh and he, yeah. i just love that he was fat and then like i just saw on on reddit like they had <laughs> somebody had taken a screenshot of the spoilers uh for anybody that hasn't seen it well i won't say whose funeral it is but during the funeral scene there's a photo that's taken of all the attendees of the funeral and they zoomed in and he's wearing his crocs at the funeral like he like everybody's in like (laughs) that's great (laughs) oh i i know that people find thor like kind of tedious and who who not really who are these like, people i don't know I but like, everybody just, everyone should love thor i do anyway like, he's so I, fun i think chris helmsworth just fucking nails it like he's just like he's supposed to be campy he's supposed to be a fucking oof he's yeah. supposed to be stupid and just like but that's what makes him so charming is he just like like he's like a nice guest on like you know like at the end of the day he's gonna be do the right thing he could fucking pick up the hammer he wouldn't be able to pick up the hammer if he wasn't like a pure person but he's just a dope like he's oh man i love it yeah i i I hadn't i don't know i hadn't thought about it a lot or it's been a minute since i saw it but as soon as you said the thor thing it all started to come rushing back yeah that was definitely one of the highlights like Uh, that thor is is just magical (laughs) so good and just like and track like on the same note, though, as funny as all that was, 
like when it really came push to shove on why he was that way, like why he had put on all that weight and Oh yes, yeah. Like he could carry all that drama. He could flip it and just it could be super dramatic then all of a sudden. Like that stuff with his mom when he gets to like yep. spend those moments with his mom and she knows the whole time that it's the last time they're ever gonna that he's gonna see her, like all that shit is so heavy and like he just nails it. I don't know. I fucking fell in love with him all over again in this movie. I thought he yeah. really carried it. Uh, cause they were depending in the other ones, they would depend on the Hulk, not Bruce Banner, not Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner, but the Hulk to do a lot of that comedy, like the slapsticky mm-hmm. stuff and or rocket. Or, I love oh, in the one Rocket before. Was so good, like <laughs> in the one, I think it was because uh, Pride and I watched the part one to, and it wasn't called Endgame. It was uh, Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah, uh, and they're fighting at the end before uh, Thanos, like you know, snaps his fingers and half the population disappears. Uh, Rocket's fighting next to, I think Bucky, who's got the the bionic arm or whatever, yeah. like, <laughs> and he's really impressed by it. Uh, and I can't remember what he says to le- like the setup for the joke. Or what it says, how he expresses interest in the arm in the midst of this battle. Uh, but like Rocket just goes, oh, I get that arm. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted he uh, loves that to happen prosthetics. for him. That's a, that's a throwback all the way to the first oh, Guardians yes. of the Galaxy. Because remember when he lays out his plan on how they're going to escape the prison? He's like, and I'm going to need that guy's arm or leg or whatever. He's got some prosthetic leg. And so they go through this whole rigmarole <laughs> to get that thing, and they give it to him, and he's he's like, "What do you want that for?" He's like, "Nothing. I just think it's funny." <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, Rocket was great. I love too that like they they again. The first act is so important, and they took their time and really showed you how bleak this world was. Like. It wasn't, we got the gut punch of like watching everybody disappear at the end of Infinity War. But then they really took their time and showed you what this world was like after half the living creatures in the universe disappeared. Where Rocket and I forget the other woman from Guardians of the Galaxy, the sister, all joined the Avengers and they're off doing like where it's like five years later and they're at that table where they're all holograms and like they don't have that like glib catchy you can tell they're just wore down and exhausted from like trying to deal with this you yeah. know and yeah. oh they did it it was such well, a and tony's movie. in space tony stark right is in yeah. space doing yeah. all that yeah and when he comes back I, he was that that was genuinely moving to me when he was uh i can't remember he was mad at somebody about all the uh, he, I can't remember, but it almost seemed like they made him either. He lost a fuck ton of weight or they did it digitally, but he looked so emaciated in that yep. scene. Cause he had spent and like was, a month in space with no food. Yeah. 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 I, and I really, I mean, at the risk of hopefully she's not watching, <laughs> but uh, I like Downey anyway. I like Robert Downey Jr. I think he's really yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, but to watch his arc, like the whole Marvel cinematic universe started with that Iron Man yep. movie. And, um, yep. God, they've. I mean, obviously, we're stating stating a lot of obvious things that a lot of other people have discussed. But the the idea that they started with such a with like I don't think anybody was excited about Iron Man ten years ago or whatever that was. Yeah. Prior to all that, and talking about Rocket <laughs> or um, 
you know, half of these characters, like they were yeah. not in even like a comic like sort of fans of pop culture stuff were not necessarily fluent in who they were, let alone to like make you care about them so very much. And so to have the payoffs to all of that throughout this movie, they were all like really satisfying the, yeah, I was, I was, I was moved. I was, you know, charmed and we had not seen yeah. captain Marvel and I'm glad that she didn't play a huge role in this, but it, uh, she was in it enough that we're like, yeah, we got to fucking see that movie because we didn't understand anything. Yeah, I liked like, that one. And that one takes place in the 90s, actually. Like, oh, so really? it has all these 90, like mid 90s is where she awesome. sort of ends up. Um, uh, it was fun. Yeah. The the writers, um, let's see, it's uh, Christopher Marcus and S- Stephen McFreely. Um, there might be more, but like they were on uh, Smodcast, Kevin Smith's podcast. Yeah. And Kevin Smith, like, you know, is i i got i remember when the so so this is before the cinematic universe but like when the spider-man movie was coming out it's kind of funny that this is all coming up with like batman because like batman was one i mean there was the superman movie in the 70s that was spectacular and um and then you know was almost another 10 years or so before like batman 89 came out and then that launched like a cycle of batman movies and some comic book stuff but like there were, it would still it'd be kind of sporadic and not necessarily super true to source material or like uh, whatever. But um, the Spider-Man movie in two thousand was it one? I think one or two. Uh, yeah, I would go back to um, X-Men. I think the oh, that, see, first, I never, that first X-Men yeah. is really that Brian Singer X-Men is what kicked off, in yes. my opinion, this current trend that we are still riding that wave from that yeah. first x-men i think that's right and i've actually i've still not seen that which is really you know, oh, kind of blasphemous yeah, yeah that's the X-Men like, were never a thing for me and yeah. and then i didn't see that movie and so they continue not to be um it, it, oh man those are amazing they're i don't I, have, I, I don't know how well they would age honestly uh yeah i'd to, be curious i don't know yeah i'd be curious uh, is that a 99er 1999 or was that 2000 ooh, maybe let's see but I'm the this I mentioned the Spider-Man and the Kevin Smith thing because like I have this um, DVD downstairs. It's called Stanley's Mutants Marvel, and I can't think of the full title. It's some sort of alliterative thing, and it's basically an interview with conducted by Kevin Smith with Stanley about sort of just comic books in general. And if you think about like Stanley has always been a cultural like touchstone for comic fans, but you yeah. know. My mom knows Stanley now <laughs> right. because of uh, all that's happened in the last 10 years with all of this. And uh, yeah, so it's, I don't know, it's been really, it's, it's cool to see like how, it, it seemed like a little bit of an end of an era, I guess, cinematic yeah. era, where they wrapped up a lot of the characters that you, you know, Tony Stark's not coming back, you know, <laughs> who else is not coming back? Natasha uh black widow yep though th- isn't she supposed to still get her own movie yeah but that's gonna be a prequel it's supposed to be if it oh. if it if it happens um i, I don't understand why that hasn't happened i like, don't know why that that should have happened a long time ago uh it, well that's been an ongoing uh commentary on yeah. marvel because of that that they would you know well shit she wasn't even getting like main billing as an avenger really until well wait how what do i what am i trying to say she like wasn't getting top billing essentially uh, up until uh you started to get 
I think it was Wonder Woman. They didn't even green light her own movie until Wonder Woman was so successful. Oh, uh, that's uh, I mean, it makes sense, even though it sucks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're not bringing her back. I, uh, I really am interested to know what happens with Gamora because they have this alternate alternate version of oh, which is yeah. Zoe uh, Zoe Zeldana's character. Yeah, the green, green, yeah, green gal. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, as opposed be? to the green guy, what, we got smart it, Hulk. Oh it, my god! Yeah, that Hulk. I I'm so glad that they did that merge, uh, finally, and like brought them together. And now he's kind of like a tool. Did he seem like a little bit of a tool? A little. I thought he was kind of like a tool. Uh, yeah, like embracing but, the celebrity of it all. Yeah, I was, and I really enjoyed it. And I guess it's something that happened in the comics at some point. Like yeah. Hulk was that kind of a, you know, glasses yeah. wearing sort of intellectual. <laughs> no, that totally Doctor. happened. Uh, and uh, in a story, there became a point where he just remained the Hulk, and he got all the intellect of Bruce Banner and all the like. So the best of both worlds, essentially how he builds it in the movie. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know as it was. You know, in the movie, they say he actually did an experiment that merged them together, right? To finally do that. In the comics, I think, I think he finally realizes like it's not—he's not changing into the Hulk. The Hulk is changing into Bruce Banner, and so he made like I—if I, I understand—if I think I'm representing this right, and so he just basically re- realizes it's just he psychologically accepts the fact that it's okay to be the Hulk. And then all of a sudden he is. And like, he Mm -hmm. is able to, to like remain intellectual while still being the Hulk. So, um, Thor Ragnarok really is about a, you know, a third of this series of comics called planet Hulk, I think. Oh, where they, in the comics, they decide that Hulk is becoming a problem and they can't control him. And so they essentially subdue him and shoot him into space on a spaceship that's supposed to crash land on this like deserted planet that has enough, like it has enough game so that the Hulk could hunt and live forever peacefully on this planet and not destroy earth. Cause they, his collateral damage was just starting to become too much that the in the in the Marvel universe they call it the Illuminati, but it's really like Professor X. It's a series of like really heavy hitters and leaders from the Marvel universe all make this decision to get rid of Hulk. So they secretly they like trick him and send him to this planet. Really, the planet that he ends up crash landing on is what would become the planet that's in Thor Ragnarok which is this planet that's run by this person who Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, Goldblum. That, that's Jeff Goldblum <laughs> that has these gladiatorial so fights. And the Hulk is actually like a prophesized uh, savior that's going to save this slave class of this human, of this person. And so he starts fighting in this, like he gets pegged to be a fighter, just like in Thor Ragnar. Like, so this is like the yeah. back, like we catch up with him after all this has happened, but he becomes like the champion. And ultimately in the comic series now on Netflix, you might still be able to see this as an animated movie, uh, but it's called Planet Hulk. And they have the whole arc condensed down into one like 90 minute long movie. 
Nice. And so <clears throat> he ends up fighting and frees all of these slaves that this person is ruling over and fulfills the prophecy and becomes the king of this planet. And then <laughs> as he after he becomes king of the planet, he takes so the uh one of the women as his wife and like falls in love and he's going to live on this planet, right? Well, something happens and she gets killed and somehow he uses his like Hulk Bruce Banner logic to trace it back and blame the Illuminati who sent him to the, like if they would have never sent him to earth, none of this would have happened and she wouldn't have died. So it's all their fault. So he goes back, like flies back to earth. And then this becomes, I think world war Hulk is what this one is called. Oh, wow. And he basically, there is a section of the comics where he takes over earth and like he does what that guy did. He forces the superheroes then to have like gladiatorial battles for his Whoa. entertainment, like superheroes in Madison Square Garden. Like, he, like there's this, <laughs> there's this like really awesome picture of him on a throne, like commanding superheroes to fight. Um, wow, is, do you know this from the Netflix animated movie, or is this part? Oh of no, I read Wikipedia. I read Wikipedia, like because <laughs> I you these internalize it like a motherfucker. That's incredible. These, <laughs> like the detail. <laughs> these well the Wikipedia pages are that detailed. It's really awesome. So I missed all of these in the nineties. And so the Wikipedia pages are a great way to just get the like synopsis of what happened. Cause you've watched that Netflix thing and you're like, this is amazing. So then you start researching that. Um, Who does the voice on that Netflix? Do you remember for Hulk? Uh, I do not. I think Luke Perry did a Hulk voice uh, in an animated movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here, uh, open image in a new tab. Let me come over here and share my screen. Your entire screen share. Uh, let's do that. Uh, bah, here. So, like, here he is. You see him up on the throne. Oh, yeah. Can you click? Uh, it's very small. Oh, yeah. So here he is on the throne. Uh, See, he's got like this like armor on. Iron Man. And he's got and... Iron Man fighting Mr. Fantastic. And there's like uh, Black Panther remember. is fighting. Um, oh. I can't remember Benedict Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, yeah. yes. <laughs> so like the only, all the these... only ones I haven't seen is his standalone movie. Oh, all these heroes are forced to fight each other for Hulk's entertainment. And he like... So... What's funny is, is it starts with them having this premonition that Hulk is going to destroy Earth, so they have to send him away, and he ends up fulfilling that prophecy too. Like they, so they seal their own fate essentially by sending him off. Hmm. Uh, whereas if they hadn't have done that, maybe he never would have taken over the Earth. You know, so. Uh, God, I love comics. Yeah, that's some fun shit, yeah. and that was a very fun movie. I. Um, well, Hulk is my favorite. I like care. I, I love the Hulk a lot. Favorite, like a maybe all time favorite comic character or favorite uh, of, uh, Avengers or no, just like, I don't know. I just really, re I like the Hulk cause he's just big, you know, and he gets hot chicks. 
but <laughs> yeah i i mean when i was a kid like what i knew of comics or whatever uh i probably came a little bit more from tv or whatever so i remember it was batman first but pretty quickly followed by the hulk because of the tv show like yeah the, oh yeah the, yeah Bill bixby and um, I mean, I looked in the last like couple of weeks. I've been like, ooh, I need to get that entire series. I want that to come out like one of those things you can see discount stores, like the entire series for thirty bucks. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would buy that in a heartbeat. Um, but the just side note, or to finish up the lo- couple little loops, the Luke Perry did do a, a voice on an Incredible Hulk TV series, but it wasn't of the Hulk it's himself. It was Rick's a character called Rick Jones in the mid. 90s uh and then i mentioned the kevin smith thing the kevin smith podcast in relation to the writers of endgame because sorry and i cut you off oh no that's not not no problem at all uh that is the glorious nature of these conversations yeah uh but the i don't have much to say about it other than it's notable in that he talks to them about various things in the in the movie and he's he loves the movie he loves the marvel cinematic universe um, and he's ta- and he, he talking to them as writers and, and interested in like how they are and, and a really thorough comic book fan from, uh, you know, talking about like how they translate certain things or made certain choices, like in just really kind of, you know, Oh, it's so great. How did you do this? How did you do that? How did you know to do this? And it was amazing to me how much those guys were just like, well, the one thing that I'll say that stuck with me the most is the one, I can't remember which of the two writers he's like. He's like, every time we go to do something like this or every time we go to write a, a new movie, because they were behind some of the other, um, I think maybe some of the like Captain America centric or like th- this is not their first Avengers or, or Marvel Cinematic Universe story. Um, but there's like, it's, it's like we've never done it before. <laughs> it's like we've gained no ground since the last time. It's like we don't know how to do this at all. <laughs> and that was so interesting to hear. Yeah like these guys talk about it who have written movies that are among the most popular movies ever <laughs> like um hundreds of millions of dollar grossing yeah. million like movies and yeah. these guys like do you did it sound like a lack of confidence thing or they just they like the or that's their creative processes like let's just clear the board and start like with a fresh slate and see what I happens like I, I I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's hard to talk about. Uh, like, so I, as a creative person, I can relate to that idea that you do. You like you're trying to do something. You like I know how to do this. This shouldn't be this hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Whatever that it is, I like get. I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah. But I think what's nuts is to, is to realize that people at the upper echelons of those of the creative arts and expressions and commerce have those same feelings. Yeah. Like you would think that there would be more confidence there or in their own uh, ability. But, <laughs> and so it just seemed like they, they just seemed like two guys. They, they, they talked about things the same way you and I would. Yeah. And, and that didn't seem disingenuous. Yeah. Like, so it was really refreshing to hear. Well, too much confidence gets you Jar Jar Binks, right? That's like, right. Yeah. Like, um, I no, but I, so listen, they're just human beings, right? They put their pants on the same way you and I do. <laughs> Except for once they got them you on. Know, they start at the top <laughs> and work way down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no. you get different things. Like the guys that's behind Stranger Things are not 
charming in that way. <laughs> no, though that's totally true. But I think like it's no wonder though that we that it does not surprise me that I I, I mean there are plenty of successful people in Hollywood that are not charming. There that's are, true. Yeah, it doesn't mean they're dicks there, either. There, yeah, there are plenty. Well, yeah. It, uh, I I mean I was implying they were dicks. But there, like, I kind of was. Yeah, so I was taking that back a little. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm just saying though, that, like, there are plenty of dicks that are successful in Hollywood, but I think that there are a fair amount though that we've talked about on this show that we relate to their work, uh, like at a very, very cellular level. We relate to their work, and then when we get to see them or hear them talk or or anything outside of that work then we relate to them also as as human beings like we can see ourselves in them and then that it, it does take you aback uh i know we've referenced it a bunch of times um ash and i watched a little bit of the i haven't made it through the whole thing because it's like over an hour long but the conversation with george R. R. martin and stephen king where uh, it's like the oh, end of like yeah. that book tour and it's like it's that famous line it's the famous question where george R. R. martin asked stephen king how the fuck he writes so fast like how the fuck do you write so fast and like and that's the big joke because it's george R. R. martin who like <laughs> yeah, takes still <laughs> yeah it takes forever to write something and stephen king writes you know this thick of a book every year and so the, like george R. R. martin asked that question in the whole auditorium like erupts in laughter because the, like the ir the irony of the question is not lost on the audience. Which <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, and and there's almost like so you get the sense that you know George R. R. Martin is is starting with that question for laughs, right? Mm -hmm. But then as the conversation uh, around that question goes on, you start to see there is a there is a genuine bit of human desperation like maybe stephen king is gonna give me a silver bullet on this that <laughs> you know what i mean i like, always intended yeah yeah uh where uh, I, oh i get it yeah <laughs> <laughs> that seals it we're gonna talk about cycle of the werewolf <laughs> and silver bullet yeah. in the king corner coming yeah. up <laughs> um but there because it starts out with him asking that question. Everybody laughs. Stephen King gives a, a very honest answer. I write six pages a day. That's what I do. I, I work until I get six clean pages a day. And then if I work for two months, that's so many manuscripts. That's like mm -hmm. that number times six gets me a clean manuscript. That's this long. And that's, it's a very formulaic answer that you can tell Stephen King is a different type of writer where it's like it, it it's the talent is so natural that he can be formulaic about that. Does that like, that's what I yeah. take from that answer. Like he can just say, yeah. I just need to write six pages. That's all I have to do. He, the concern about what's going to be on those pages is not there. It's not like, he's like, I need six good Like, he is confident that what he puts on that page is going to be usable. He just needs to get those six pages, right? And so yeah. that's his response. And then then you start to see the desperation where you realize, like, this is a legit question that George R. R. Martin is asking him because he's like, 
don't you just look at the blank page and like, don't you have those days where you think like, I'm not good enough for this. Like what, why are they, why did they do this? Like, why did they give me this responsibility? Like I, (laughs) and you can tell he has like there that he spends, that's why it takes him so long to write is because he has no confidence in his talent. Like, which is so just like these guys is so mind boggling. Like this guy, created game of thrones he created game of thrones and doesn't think that he is worthy of any of what he has and he gives all that away in that in that little 10 minutes of that hour plus long conversation uh where you see these two writers both arguably with immense talent like probably two of the most I, i i marketable let's say that yeah, like they, they write like, like popular, uh, you know, yeah. fantasy horror stuff, like among yeah. the most popular, yeah, <laughs> certainly and, of all time. Two drastic ends of the spectrum. Like one guy who's just like, I just need a number. As long as I hit that number <laughs> every day, I'm good. You know, like I know I'm going to use what I put on the page as long as I hit that number. And the other guy that's like, I agonize over every word. I'll spend days just is that word right? You know. Oh. I was trying to find this quote. There's a, I don't remember where I heard this, but it's, um, yeah, I can't find it. Uh, but it, it's a similar thing to where Bob Dylan, I, I I hope this really happened. Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen had a conversation and I, I can't remember who asked the other about their songs. And I think, I think the song in question was hallelujah um he asked like Leonard Cohen like how long it take you to write that and it was like as years <laughs> and then he asked Bob Dylan about a song and he's like you know 25 minutes or something like that yeah, yeah. It, I don't know what I wish I I want to get to the bottom of it maybe I can I'll tweet it out when the show comes so that I can know but um yeah it's awfully interesting like and when you were talking about it it sounds not so much like talent as it is a kind of a craft and discipline that Stephen King has like yeah. developed over the years yeah. uh and the yeah. only thing I can think of is so when you think of people like that, like like Dylan, uh, who can write a song in 25 minutes and like didn't Jimi Hendrix write, write Purple Haze or something like in the studio? Like he hadn't even like they were. I don't know, but I believe it. Yeah, just something crazy like happening. that. Yeah. And uh, uh, Stephen King talks about how like a lot of the, the the last three books of the Dark Tower series like didn't really have any markups like he finished the the manuscripts and they were pretty clean like almost publishable wow um when they were done and uh but i think that's i all of those people have they spent their lives it's like stephen king figured out very early even he will say this that he wanted to be a writer like he he knew that very early on had a mother who encouraged it immensely encouraged it and he had the discipline like i love in on writing when he talks about how he got his first rejection Hmm. and he like stuck it on a roofing nail that happened to be sticking out of the wall in the attic bedroom that he was in (laughs) and by the time he graduated high school like the nail was full like there was like a ton of rejection notices on there. But by the time he graduated high school, he had sold his first story and like, and 
I, I, I could not imagine, I couldn't imagine the, that type of discipline that early in someone's life. But I, you think about anything that you've done for 10 years regularly, right? You gain a muscle, like that confidence is almost like a muscle memory. So maybe like that, right? Like the writing piece that him tapping into that part of his brain that makes the stories. He's got that direct line He because he's practiced that, you know, like a, a pitcher over and over again. He's practiced that process of like pulling it from his, his subconscious onto the paper for so long that it is just now I just need to do it for him, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I, and it, the, I think my theory on that is just because he talks about always having something. He always has a notebook so that he can write notes. He keeps a notebook next to his bed so that if he has a dream, he can wake up and just like, like he'll wake up and have dreams written down and didn't even remember writing them just because he's so used to doing that. Uh, mm -hmm. He journals every day. Um, and that's all like, it's just all of that practice of just being comfortable with that. With like you said, like that craft, you know, it's a, uh, and then it's just astounding to me, though, to just like to to have seen those two heavy hitters view their work in such drastically different ways. Um, yeah, I want to rewatch that now. Say, I feel like that's in our you know on our YouTube channel, like videos mentioned on the show from way back. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think I have watched it, but I'd like to see it again, uh, particularly now. You know, having spent, I've been I've. I've been doing other things <laughs> like I volley back and forth between stuff, but I've been listening to Stephen King books and reading them regularly now for like three years. So, yeah. so yeah. um, and, uh, the game of Thrones just finished and we, we watched it and kind of engaged with that series in a more direct way than we have the bride and I, um, since it's been on, uh, we used to watch it like a year after the fact and it just yeah. seemed like the world was conspiring against you like to spoil it so that like hbo was really savvy about that i think over the years to get people to subscribe to their services yeah. because they the press will will just spoil it they yep. flat out put it on covers and stuff yep. so we went out we we uh ponied up for like hbo go or whatever it was and, and followed along it was really fun um but yeah, that's so like that that whole TV series is finished and I know that there was some input from George R. R. Martin about like here's yeah. where I see it going. <laughs> but yeah. he still hasn't finished yeah. his books. <laughs> that's crazy, right? Yeah, um uh, where do you guys land on the final season? Uh, cuz it's very contentious like Yeah. I all of, all of the TV shows that that we watch um I don't know. I don't study them for some reason that yeah. like, that's a th real thing that we do together that, uh, it's part of like the quality time. Um, that's, you know, and we, I, I'm sure I've talked about our love languages or whatever at some sure, point in time. Yeah. Like that's, that's the bride's number one is quality time. And so, uh, yeah, that's a big thing that we do. And for some reason with TV shows, I, I, it's, it's not like I'm like, Oh, la la la. I don't want to know. But I just don't take any effort to seek out any behind the scenes stuff about right, TV right. shows at all. Even though I spend like all of my time um, 
uh, or I would. Yeah. Like when yeah. I'm going to go into Batman 66, yeah, I'm going to dive into it. But like right. um, new TV shows that we're watching, I just don't do that. And she does it big time. Like yeah. one of her rituals is to print out, she got like copies a bunch of articles onto a word document, prints it out and reads it in the bathtub for whatever show she's watching. And game of Thrones has been one of those shows. And so she's been much more invested in it. And I, th- I just kind of, it's not that I'm not, well, no, she is more invested. I'll just take it. Like I'll just watch it and I'll have an emotional reaction to it. And I'll, and we'll, we talk about it a lot. Actually, there's a game of Thrones, um, podcast that the name is escaping me. House of something. If you're if you if you're a Game of Thrones fan, maybe you'll know it, House of Thrones or something like that. Um, I'll find it. But the bride wrote in, and they read her email and cracked up through the whole thing and like read it on the air. <laughs> this <season>. really, <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. Like I got in the car one day and she's playing the show, which is not altogether um, like out of the blue. Like sometimes we listen to these things together. House Podcastica. Podcastia. Yeah. It just came up. Yeah. Yeah, so on the episode for the bells, um, which was the second to the penultimate episode of the series, she wrote in uh, a, a a pretty harsh critique, <laughs> an angry critique. Wow! And, read it and cracked up like during it. Um, so yeah, she's been a bit frustrated by it. Uh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I I can kind of see the frustrations, but at the, I've I don't know this. I've been thinking about this in a different way than I think I ever have, which was. So a lot of the these critiques, they're like, they're like, I don't know, whether they're like feminist critiques or whatever they are, they're kind of based on representation a lot of times right now uh, and the complaints that are had. Uh, and so m- my background as a creative person, how I relate to stuff is like how I translate my feelings and experience into some sort of medium. For me, it's been like mostly the most like successful has probably been like songwriting. Yeah. Or just like translating my own sort of life and experience and creative experiences, representing them somehow in some kind of a contextualized way. I, but I've never like written fiction. Uh, and, and, and so I don't really understand that whole thing <laughs> I, I i mean i so i watch a lot of things and I, i'm interested where they come from but so where i'm what I, kind of what i'm getting at with all this is um it's hard for me to understand these criticisms emotionally because i'm not among the people being marginalized or not represented and um the others but if i think about it like in terms of other employment, you know, you like the so-and-so should have equal pay, equal opportunity, equal representation stuff as much as possible. That all makes sense in a workplace setting. But of course, yeah. all of these shows are workplaces and huge. Right. Like, like we watched this, uh, the documentary that came out the week after the last episode of Game of Thrones called The Last Watch. And it, sh- it sort of reinforces the kind of thing you see on like, you know, big, big blockbuster Blu-ray, you know, making of and stuff like it's a whole industry like filmmaking and stuff right so anyway it's it's, uh, all of these critiques like i watch tv shows as shows (laughs) and and i don't think much about the implications of representation i don't think a lot about i just like kind of experience it and so for people to like complain about like so-and-so shouldn't have done this i start to think about the people that wrote it and then I started to think about like if they're weighing what a character should and shouldn't do based on like what is appropriate 
politically or socially to show it's like that's kind of nuts to me like to try to wrap my head around that as a creative enterprise so i am sort of a little embarrassed and slightly grateful to say like I don't think about it like that at all. Yeah. I just, I just watch all, like whether it's this show or any other show, I just kind of watch it and I, and, and, and like it hits me, but I have, you know, I live with someone who is engaged on it on a much deeper level to where she's like, Oh man, I'm really disappointed in this. And I wish they had done this differently. Yeah. So how we I, come down I, on it is she's frustrated and I just sort of took it at face value. Yeah. I know. I know that there's a lot of, there are a lot of political things. Like I know, like, so I know there's, I, I have not seen it. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to say what I've, what I have seen in the, like in, in about in the interwebs. And um, do you know, just so I don't spoil it. Cause I do think it's all worth watching at this point. I don't think I would have said that. No, I'm going to watch ago, it. But I, I think so now. I want to watch it eventually. Um, but I know like, uh, so like Searcy Lannister, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I know one of the social complaints about the last season was like, she gets raped and that's what causes her to finally be good. And I, I, I think there wasn't there like a lot of, there were some women who came out like oh, a female character shouldn't have to be raped to become good. Like it doesn't take that. Oh, I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> if you're, if you're t- talking for sure about Cersei Lannister, she's not good in any way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like she that's what I thought. Pure evil. <laughs> um, so there's and, no hint of goodness in that character. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. I, I mean, I know there was the social. I saw. I saw more that just the quality was not good. Like, I saw there was a lot of complaints that there were episodes that were so dark you couldn't even see what was happening in them. Oh yeah, like, I, I saw, saw those. I I didn't notice that. The, and the only way I can even begin to relate to that is we used to watch it on DVD, like yeah. Netflix DVD. A year later, those seem dark as fuck. Like, yeah. The, often but well, like in, seeing in it on hd fairness, and though, like you're TVs, watching the the you're watching the streaming though that hbo has had a chance to like ch- like the coffee cup probably got taken out already by the time you saw I no no because we were watching like the day of so oh really we, i i no, i'm not saying like i saw coffee cups or whatever yeah. but yeah and i've heard some of those things it's just like a behind the scenes photo or something like it's not even in the episode it's a little bit yeah. exaggerated some of those because there's a bunch of gaffes like that yeah anyway i I don't know i i I, just heard the quality was not that that was the complaints that i heard more of was that it was a disservice to a show that had had such good quality stuff because they um one one review i read or one comment that i saw was because the because the two guys that were leading the writing of the show they got pulled off to go do star wars like the next like they're they're writing the the new Star Wars thing, I think. Oh, like, like the next, yeah, twenty twenty two, like yeah. that's like not the Star Skywalker saga. It's like in the Star Wars yeah, universe, but like all new stuff, right? So, right. I I guess I did know that. Um, so they weren't present for this last season. Like they were kind of just like phoning in their roles and leaving it up to like their staff, the rest of the writing staff to hmm. really write. So that's I don't know. I I'm with you though. Where it's like at the end of the day, as long as I can like get into the storytelling, that's all I really care about. Like, especially in the last season, like you just want to take, you just want to take it with what they what they have. I, but I'm a fan of contentious, sometimes contentious finales. Like, I thought Lost was beautiful the way it ended, 
and I know that I am. There are a lot of Lost fans that don't. There are a lot of Lost fans that didn't even make it to the finale. You know. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't want to spoil certainly anything you don't know, but I think part of it is like they did they did a, like a like things did not go the way that they had kind of conditioned you to think they would. Yeah. With a certain when does when, the, I I saw five seasons of the show. When does it do that? That's the whole yeah, point of that show is yeah, like, like you want it, to, you think it's going to go one way. Jesus, the main character of the first season dies in the last episode. Like, <laughs> right, yeah, like you think yeah. the whole series is going to be about him. Like they've set it up yeah, like I that, remember right? That, yeah. And yeah, then all this, like up until the frame when his head gets chopped off, you're like, okay, something's going to happen. They're going to save right. this guy, right? Like yeah. this, this is the guy we're going to follow for the whole show <laughs> and watch him like defeat his friend. Who's the like bad king, right? No. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> they kill him and then you get yeah. to the red wedding fuck that like again <laughs> black comes out of nowhere uh yeah i don't know like i there there were a couple of years where i was just like why do we watch this like it's just so fucking dark and evil or not evil but just like such terrible things happen to Sinister. everyone yeah yeah and it's just like and thankfully right when we were about to give up because we were a year behind the bride had known about um things turned a corner and they really did start to get like kind of there are these sort of satisfying comeuppances and i will say like there's episode like one through three particularly two episode two of this season where it's like the night before this battle where they think everyone is gonna die is so fucking touching and delightful. Like even the bride who I know has frustrations with the rest of the way it played out. She watched that episode like three times in a row yeah. or something like I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed being a part of the kind of week to week cultural zeitgeist of it all. But just like with Endgame, like I really, uh, uh, like appreciated the payoff of certain characters. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a TV show that's been on for like what, like, eight nine years or something like that and with a tv show you can do an awful lot and so i can see like if you have built up expectations of what you're hoping this or that will be that they don't come to pass yeah or that some you feel like some of the characters aren't represented the way you would want them to be um i tracked all the like kind of logic of things of the way that it turned out and it kind of made sense to me i can also understand certain critiques of the the way i've heard it i i don't know i couldn't say anything about any decreasing quality yeah i mean i think pretty much the reason it had to end is because they could not keep they were making like huge feature films every week every episode <laughs> yeah kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and they yeah. just like couldn't do it anymore but anyway i i, I did I actually i kind of really i i didn't kind of i really enjoyed the awesome. last few episodes i would say the particularly the first three like start are just like really satisfying yeah things that happen between characters like really and like the bride would be like oh no i hope they don't do this that or the other i'm like the people behind the evil the, like the truly dark stuff that they put us through only to get to the like the the, the, the those valleys lead to the, these tremendous peaks of like emotional catharsis between these characters like they're not just gonna kick us in the nuts at the end. Like they kind of do in some ways, but anyway, I I, I liked it. <laughs> That's a long, oh. long short drink answer too. 
how did you come down on it 25 minutes 40 40 minutes later <laughs> i liked it <laughs> good well no that's that that's perfect i was looking there's a i had just watched before i came up here there's a um it's like kit harrington's last day on set and and he it's his last scene and so then they kind of like give a speech and he was 14 when he started this show like the kit harrington yeah when he first like when he first auditioned like because they and so john snow was 14 that let me let me see if i can i mean because some of the kids were really young like maybe that was aria but maybe kit harrington i don't know how old he is he is 1986. Maybe he's just making a joke. He says 12 year old. But some of the kids like were that young. Yeah. Like, it, and it's astounding to see. Yeah, uh, they've literally kind of grown up and then grown into these characters, and it really does follow the Stark family, um, in particular. And I don't. Yeah, I know people are frustrated. I'll, I'll send <laughs> you not. this. This is this is really good though, because. Um. See if he gives if they have his speech in here. He gives this like very touching speech. I might have seen this in the in the documentary. It, it starts with him saying like my heart is breaking. Like Yes, I did see that Jesus just last night in the documentary. God damn is that gut-wrenching. Like, yeah, so part of it is like so it, the so the documentary The Last Watch is an almost 2-hour documentary about this last season and it's one of those things like that great Star Wars uh, documentary that has it doesn't have like talking hits it just shows you day to day like people going about their thing and this one isn't even that much based on the actors a lot of it is based on the crew um, but and then I happen to know some other things from reading this uh, Entertainment Weekly article that was that the, like that Amelia Clark who plays Daenerys Targaryen like she had you know read the script she knew what to expect she's sitting on the her flight over to the you know, production next to Kit Harrington, who's plays, I guess I don't want to say too much about whatever there, but like he hasn't read it yet and she knows he hasn't read it yet. And it's like some serious shit goes down in this last few episodes. And then, so at the table reading, he's surprised and it gets to this like a few scenes and he's like, Oh, and they show him in the documentary, but they don't explain it. I happen to have read it. And like, they don't even say in the documentary, they don't tell you that he doesn't know. I guess yeah. you could infer it, but I had all this stuff that I read. And so I'm watching her watch him and he starts to cry, like reading what he's reading. It's really like, once you do watch the show, it's, you know, it's, I mean, that's how it was for us watching it live. It's like the next week show shows over next week, two hour documentary about last season. And that's in there. It's so nice. It is. It's, I mean, it is heartbreaking to watch him address this crew and just like talk about how they're his family. And uh, yeah, so it was so cool. It was so cool. It was a really, I'm glad we didn't give up on that. Yeah. Show. Good. I I need to really commit to getting back into it. Um, I made it all the way up to the War of the Wall, where um, like the they brought all the different wildlings together into one army to attack the wall, and like it's just when the White Walkers are just about to start like making their move, and uh, you know Kit Harrington and the chubby guy is trying to decide if they want to leave the watch or not, and like what to do about oh, that, yes. and like. Yeah. Uh, I made it all the way up to that, 
and then Ash said she wanted to watch it. So I thought we would oh. start over. And we watch. We've since then we have watched the first episode three times. <laughs> uh, uh, it's weird. Like I remember the first episode pretty well. Yeah, I don't remember so much of what happens in between those like however many years. Yeah, so it'll be nice to kind of binge it. We also have talked about she hasn't watched uh, Breaking Bad, and uh, so apples I, and oranges. But oh, yeah. Geez. I said I would. I said I would go through that one again in a minute. Uh, because I, oh, I, we just watched yeah. an uh, um, an interview with Brian Cranston because he's on he's doing some uh, show on Broadway right now. Colbert is really good. I love how Colbert will bring these. The, he brings actors on that we know, but he brings up be, he brings them on because they're in plays, not because they're doing movies or any like. I oh, love that New York and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I love how he still makes an effort. Well, and it, I think it hard. I think goes back to his days with second city. Like he has a very fond respect for the stage. And that really comes through in his show when he brings these actors on. So, um, is Cranston still doing network or it's something new. Uh, no, it might be network maybe, but he he had him on for that. And, uh, uh, he tells this great story about how there was a kid in the front row who was texting the whole time and how uh, he, it really bothered him because he, he said you're used to, he tells this awesome story. So I'll tell the story. I'll steal his story and tell it. And then I'll tell you what I actually wanted to talk about, which is tying back to these epic shows like this, his being breaking bad. But uh, he said, when you're in, when you're on the stage as an actor, you get really used to the movement of the audience, tra- like their head tracking the conversation. Oh, sure. you, you yeah. get, so you get really used to this left and right movement of people, of the audiences. A whole, imagine a wave of 500 people, all their heads turning at the same time. Yeah. You would get used to that. like. And so he said, I was doing a show and he said, everybody's heads are going left to right. And this, and then I, there's a kid in the front row whose head <laughs> is going up and down like this. And he said, I can't figure out why. So he said, I changed my blocking so that I am closer to the stage. Like I, you know, start moving closer to the stage. So I can look down and I see that he's texting and he's looking down and texting and then looking up and looking at what's going on. <laughs> looking down and texting and he said you know you can't just like stop a show and tell the kid to stop texting he said so i I knew i had a monologue coming up and so i again changed the blocking so that i ended up like right in front of this kid and just started just essentially screaming the monologue at this kid so he was like essentially showering him with spit like that was like oh because he does yeah and you can see it from we were like maybe second or third row it's plain as day yeah he puts and on so some waterworks in like, this show. He's like, he's just like, just showering. This, like, just can just <laughs> see it hitting the kid and just like. Uh, uh, so, but then they were talking about Breaking Bad. So, getting back to these giant epic shows where they're essentially that was like Lost, like um, uh, Game of Thrones. I feel like all of these shows in their later seasons just started to get too big. And I think that's what helped drive them to to finishing was they were making motion pictures, eight motion, 18 motion pictures, you know, in like in one season. So and I feel like 
Breaking Bad was like that, but he said that he used to mess with Aaron Paul so much where uh, he said like he, like multiple times throughout the production, he would change it up, of course, but like the essence would, he would c- come in like Aaron Paul would be in his dressing room or whatever, and he'd come in and be like, he'd sit down and he'd come in and be like, hey, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> and, you know, Aaron Paul just being Aaron Paul, like, oh, it's good, man, you know, whatever. He's like, listen, I just want you to know, like, you're gonna be you're gonna be fine. Like after this, <laughs> like, like, like this is a great thing to have on your resume. Like you're gonna be able to do whatever you want. And then Aaron Paul would be like, oh, "I haven't read the script yet. What happens?" What? Like, he'd be freaking out. Like, uh, that's awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, which, God damn, talk about a character arc. Like Aaron, I'm just thinking of Aaron Paul's character. Like. Of course, Brian Cranston's character's arc in that show is crazy, but I also think that Aaron Paul's like bitch. Oh yeah, that's a that's I don't know that's one of the th- that's a very realistic show, but like a, a super stylized one. I, that I don't know that one's really good. Like you think about like the shows that are thought of as best of. Like if we watch The Wire, I like The Wire. If we're like you want to watch The Wire again, I'm like, eh, huh. yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, if the bride were like, let's watch Breaking Bad again, I'd be like, all right. <laughs> uh, and we have it. She got it some kind of like beautiful Blu-ray set, super cheap one time. That's like this like barrel of like the chemical waste. Oh, like nice. Barrel. So maybe someday. I um, um. Well, I just saw the reason someday. <laughs> that brought it up again was the. Uh, I was flipping through Netflix and Better Call Saul. The screen cap for Better Call Saul has Gus Fring on it right now. Like, yeah, Better Call Saul is and outstanding. I, and I've like, heard that show of, is just as good. Like, it it actually is. It is. It, yeah. I so you forget sometimes. Like sometimes people say like, oh, it's a spinoff, or you think about like a spinoff of Seinfeld or Friends or whatever the many spinoffs there have been. Like how many have been good or notable right, right better call saul is i've heard from multiple outstanding. people outstanding so in and bob odekirk is a like he is a an acquired taste but i like i think he is a comedic genius him and uh because uh, him and uh david cross used to have their show um oh yeah i've never actually seen that uh they revived that show actually on is it bob and tom no Bob and David, Mr. Show with Bob, Bob and David. Mr. Bob and David, yeah. Yeah. It, right. And so Netflix revived that show and they couldn't call it Mr. Show with Bob and David. So they just called it with Bob and David. And it literally uh, takes, it has, they have the same cast that they had on Mr. Show. So the first episode is like David Cross and Bob Odekirk coming back into the like set for that they used to shoot Mr. Show. And all the cast is there and they're all like, where the fuck have you been? Like, it's, it's been like over a decade since that show existed. So, like, all the people that were on the show are there, and they're like, "Where the fuck have you been? We've been waiting on you to come back." And they've both had their own independent careers since then. Like, you know, uh, yeah, that's awesome. So, 
but yeah, Better Call Saul, I heard it is, and that's a prequel, right? To it is a prequel. I was just remembering now the the bride and I were talking because it's it's winding down, and I don't know if it's it's going into its final season or final two or something like that. But so we were thinking like when we finish Better Call Saul, then then we'll like roll into yeah Breaking Bad. She's she's uh right now I, she might have picked something tonight, but she does love to get into television shows. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do the shit the bride says, but there is this one that is perfect for what we're saying that I want to get. Says. I'll just do this one, okay. like, because uh, it, it bears such a. It's it's exactly what we're talking about. Shit the bride says features selections from the clandestine Twitter page I started in 2010 to document the things my wife says that make me laugh so hard I have to stop everything and preserve them. She, of course, denies any and all association with the Twitter page from which these quotes are read. However, as the editor of said page, I can assure you, everything repeated here was most certainly said by... The Bride. She says uh, on uh, February 7th of this year, she's saying, I used to be an English major for a minute, and she goes, I hate English. I hate the study of literature. I hate the interpretation of books. You pick up a book, read it, put it down, pick up another book. If I'm going to interpret something, it's going to be a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> that is how she rolls. She yeah. loves to like deep dive into TV shows and whether it's binging them or like obsessing about them week to week, she's got to have one. And so yeah. she's in between right now. Like we finished game of Thrones and she's still kind of coming down from that. Uh, and we watch kill, we're watching Killing Eve, but like there's always something she locks into, and I think she's looking for that thing to lock into right yeah. now. And now we have HBO; she's been exploring. I think she watched Big Little Lies or something like that. And um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, boy, a lot of a lot of things we touched on a lot of things. <laughs> I definitely we got I got to know about the pinball adventure. We got the Palmer's pleasures. Yeah, we got a bunch. Let's of make shit. this. We have yeah, a huge pink corner. Um, we don't have to. We'll we'll scale King Corner accordingly. No, I want to hear about backlog. this King Corner. I'm uh, I actually am like I'm having this aversion to King right now for some reason. I don't know what it is. Like I'm just, I like have you're no, not diving into the new because there's a new book, right? And it did a new book just come and, out. I don't know. It's about to or something. Yeah, I know there's I'm, one I'm getting the ready 80s. to come out. <laughs> um, but I I don't know. Like I can't bring myself to. I'm like halfway through the second Dark Tower book and I just don't have any motivation to listen to it. We listen to uh so I'm hoping that through because I love li- like I do get jazzed for King when we like when we riff on him. Oh yeah, uh, that makes so, sense. Yeah. Um but podcast wise, uh, we what I have been listening to is this podcast Ash and I have been sharing. We've almost been bonding over this podcast like you and oh, shit, geez, uh, beep that. So <laughs> sorry. Uh, like you and the bride do with television shows. Uh, she listened to the first season of this podcast. And then we listened. We been essentially binged on two road trips. The second season called uh, this podcast called Slow Burn. Have you heard of that? I don't think so. Um, So the first season does this really, it's this very thorough investigative journalism approach to the Watergate scandal and everything surrounding the Watergate scandal. I have heard of this. And the like 
starting with the election of Nixon to his impeachment is essentially what it spans. And um, it just goes through this really deep dive on everything they know about that scandal in his presidency. And uh, she's like, it is riveting and it's amazing. Like the parallels that it has with today. Well, the season two covers clinton's presidency and starts from when he is elected president for his first term to when he is impeached in the house and uh again tons of parallels with what's currently happening um and absolutely fascinating it was one of those things like she happened to ask one time about the clinton impeachment and i was like you know, I don't really get it. I don't understand how some people say Clinton was impeached and then other people say that, but he got to finish his presidency. How was he impeached if he, and so. I never understood that either. Yeah. <laughs> it well, makes sense it, to me at all, it, actually. It, basically, he, he was impeached in the House and then that has to get confirmed in the Senate. And so he was, oh, he was impeached in the House and then it didn't get confirmed. So he didn't get removed from office. Uh, but you like there's one whole episode like he reaches out to linda trip who is who was repeatedly portrayed as like the villain she's still the villain in my book um but during that whole scandal she was she was the one who threw monica Lewinsky under the bus basically and uh but there's a whole episode where it's just an interview with linda trip and her telling her side of what was going out down and Oh, like a new interview? Yeah, new, brand new, brand new interview, like brand new interview with her. Like he called her, and it's really awesome because so she secretly recorded Monica Lewinsky uh, through these telephone conversations, and that's what she turned over to the special counsel who was investigating Clinton, and then that's how they were able to get him to perjure himself, and then that's what he ultimately was impeached on was because he was under oath during an investigation on his sexual harassment stuff during his governorship they brought up Lewinsky and asked him if he had a relationship sexual relationship with her famously he said and he said I, I not yes yeah. yeah. that woman yes yeah. yeah and so he perjured himself and then that's that was the grounds that was used for his impeachment um, was the perjury not any of the other things that the special counsel was actually tasked with investigating those were all small portions of their ultimate report ken Starr's report which they have interviews with ken star too it, uh, it is i mean the that the fact that he gets all of these people to come back and rehash this shit that they've probably rehashed a dozen times and Oh, it was, it's just riveting. Just, I can imagine there's some urgency now though, about this issue or the issue, you know, impeachment and sort of, you know, these type of investigations. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would, now they do a lot of advertising. He does extra, like, so you're, I'm, I'm just going to warn you because you're the kind of, per, you like extra stuff. Uh, he advertises a lot how they have all these extra interviews and in, in, in extra bonus episodes in this uh, separate forum that you have to pay for. But you get the oh. main gist of the the actual episodes of the show are free as a podcast. Yeah. But he's got all these bonus stuff like that. You Patreon can, or it's, it's like, that. like that, but it's not. It's like a 
it, this guy sounds really familiar. Like it sounds like I've heard him on podcasts before. Um, hmm. He sounds a lot like the guy who does the Castle Rock podcast, actually. Oh, Dave Holmes. Yeah. The host of that anyway. Yeah. Huh. Um, so, well, maybe that, well, if you know his name, then we can confirm. I don't know why, why I know. I actually kind of remember in the, do you remember the MTV contest for, to become a VJ? I remember that pretty well for some reason. And Dave Holmes either won it or almost won it. And I remember there was this kind of like spacey, like skinny white kid named Jesse that came close. But And Dave Holmes is like still a, he still kind of does these hosting gigs. Castle Rock podcast among them. Uh, Leon uh, Nafok is the, I think I'm pronouncing oh, that right, is the slow I've bird never heard of him. Um, host. Anyways, it's fucking riveting. It's, it's just... And and then to, because we lived during Clinton's presidency. Yeah, yeah, I remember those names. Um, so, Starn. uh, t- you get this frame of reference as an adult for all this stuff that was just in your periphery as a kid. Um, but it's so good that I want to go back now and listen to the to the Nixon one and and hear that. So oh, we started with the Clinton one. I started with the Clinton. She okay. listened to both of them. Uh, she's like, but the second season is out and it's on the Clinton. Uh, scandal if you want to listen to that and it just so happened to be like we were in a car i was like yeah let's turn it on and then we were like four episodes in and i'm like this is fucking amazing it's just it's just so good it's really well done oh that's cool the bride and i actually do that with podcasts when we road trip back to ohio yeah Uh, we did it with serial and then the sequel to serial and she she really likes a lot of true crime stuff that she actively listens to i don't know if she and if she's a political sort of talk show junkie so i'm surprised in some ways she hasn't listened to that so hopefully she doesn't have a strong reason for it and then we can listen to it together if if anything i like it just because it's a springboard to research both of those they're they're both very interesting periods in american politics um it is amazing to see I don't know, just like how there was a vendetta, I feel like, against the Clintons. Um, oh, man, still to this day. Still to this day. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Of course. We probably, I mean, I don't but, know, like, not to oversimplify, but I think to some extent we're in the situation we are because people yeah. didn't want to vote for her. <laughs> I actually heard somebody say in my office, which is very, it's very anti-political in my office anyways. But in my office, I did hear there was a debate going on amongst some... I, I can't confirm it, but who I would assume to be very uh, right-leaning Republicans who were getting in a debate about our president. And essentially... One of them stopped the conversation by saying, all I'm telling you is this is a huge price that we have paid just to have kept Hillary Clinton out of the office. Like, oh, wow. Uh, which was very, was very interesting. <laughs> <Telling>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then in looking back at their conversation, I think that's what the other person kept coming back to. Well, at least it, it, this is still better than. Hillary, it's still better than Hillary. Oh it's still better than Hillary, God. you know. And that is astounding to me. Yeah, <laughs> but there's still a lot of people that still that's their that's what they say. This is still wow. better than Hillary would have been. 
Based on what? Yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> insane. I don't know. All right. Oh. Well, we gotta. Um, Let's pee. I gotta then... hear these things because uh, yeah. I, I gotta. Do, I do have to kind of finish around the normal time because bride's got to get up early. Oh, 11. Uh, yeah. Are we good um, till eleven, or we gotta stop? We're definitely good the... till eleven, okay. but I think yeah. probably beyond that would be un- unwise because uh, you gotta get up early. But I got. I do. I gotta know about these. Uh, I can hit you with a little Stephen King something at some point, and I've got. I literally have like notes on whatever, so I can come back to it whenever. But I, gotta I can know listen. About the I can adventures. machine gun what I got. Like the the All pinball right. adventure I'm is like nothing. That, like so. <laughs> yeah, like I'll just machine gun the three thi- Like I have the I have pinball adventures. I have. Which really is just me trying to like show off my collection is all it's boiling down to, and then, which I don't even like. To, I I post so I posted a picture of my collection on the pinball subreddit on Reddit, and like one guy told me to go fuck myself because what because he thought I was just trying to like show off how much money I had, and it's like oh this Lord. is hard. I've I've worked my ass off over the last year driving all over the fucking country looking for like good trades. And trading up and being real picky about it, like I work towards this collection, it pissed me off. Oh, so, that I, but sucks. Th- and that's yeah. just not the kind of person I am. I'm like, I'm not trying to show off what I have. It's like I was just trying to show, like, look at how crazy it is. Like a year ago, I had one machine, and now I have all these machines. Like, I obviously oh. have a problem, like a pinball problem, right? No, that's yeah, that so. sucks. That's like the dark side of the internet that we encounter yeah. very little on this show because. Yeah. I don't know why, but I don't know. I, I don't sorry. know. Some yeah, people just like, and I get that way too. Like, that's the problem. Like, I think that's part of why it affects me so much is just because it's like, I get those feelings. Like I scroll that pinball. I, for the last year, I scrolled that pinball subreddit, looking at other people posting pictures of their collections and machines they got being like, yeah, it'd be fucking, I wish I had the money to get that shit or what, or I wish I could get something, uh, that machine. Like I, I know those feelings. I just never would express them like to a stranger, you know, like, yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. And, and I guess like the difference is like, you feel those feelings and then you just tell yourself, yeah, but you're just not there yet. You know, like you'll be there eventually, you know? Yeah. Or maybe you recognize the, the, the sort of, uh, you're like, oh, well, I, I probably feel that way because of this. You kind of go th- through this thing in your head before yeah. you lash out. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely recognize that. I mean, I particularly having promoted music for so many years, there's a lot of that that I am really sensitive to. And even just simple things that I did coming from a very innocent place in my mind, like, I will, I'll remember, like I thought of something today, like I did a crowdfunding campaign. And I remember I sent separate letters to cabin kids pitching it. And I'm like, and I thought today about this years ago, I'm like, I sh- what the fuck was I thinking? Like sending crowdfunding let form letters, slightly tweaked to my oldest friends. Like I didn't, it just didn't occur to me at the time. Yeah. But now I'm like, f- I'm so sensitive. I'm like, fuck those people. Like I have a, ch- you know, I got this whole story about it in my head <laughs> where yeah. somebody's probably just posting something innocently about, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, this is my collection. I love like, fuck you. <laughs> but so, yeah. I'm sorry. I had to see that. Well, that's but... <laughs> a, I mean, that's okay. It, 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 it's fine. Like whatever. I totally get it. It, it just hurts though. I just wanted, <laughs> well, we're trying to share something fun. I think what the, the hurt for me is that I don't know. I can't explain myself to that person. I can't say, right. There's yeah. nothing that I can do 
to that person to get them to understand, look, I wasn't trying to flex, as the kids say these days, I wasn't trying to flex <laughs> at how much money I have to buy pinball machines because it literally says, like, I, I sent this meme. Um, I'll send it to you real quick. Where's Ashley? I think that's what's good about this medium in terms of, like, my my knowledge of your pinball adventures i think of them as that as adventures i like kind of go along the ride it never occurs to, i mean obviously we're friends and other things but it never occurs to me some of those i don't think i don't think i don't think like, i think with the context of all that i don't even think that same person <laughs> yeah would like listen to this like thing you're about to say and then say something mean well, they would be along like, they'd be I in never, it with you i never looked at anybody's collection being a pinball person I let me take that back. So like, remember me telling the story about the guy that had like 75 pinball machines in his pay basement, had an amazing collection. Yeah. The I, one where, and his wife had like the, the library, the, or something like, like the, the hidden, hidden room. Yeah. 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 The study. Oh my God. Like it's insane. And so like, I, re I do remember when we were at that collection, like going down with Ash and like pointing out this one set and being like each one of those are $8,000. But like, it wasn't to be like, that he had spent all that money. It was like, look at the value he has in this collection. Right. I've never looked at a machine, like somebody who posts an excited picture about their first machine or somebody who posts an excited picture about their collection or somebody's game room collection. Like I've never looked at that and been like, Oh, that rich motherfucker, like fuck them. Look at all the, like, look at all the money they have for pinball. I've never felt that way. I can understand though why people would feel that way, but that's not why I posted that picture. And that's, I think my biggest, like why it hurt me so much. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. He told me to go fuck myself that hurt me or that he made this assumption about me that hurt me. It was that I had made him feel inferior to me unknowingly. And that I, there is no way that I would ever be able to redeem myself in that man, in that person's eye, I don't even know if it was a man, you know, like that's it was, why it like, hurt me. Women don't do you know? that. <laughs> For whatever reason, whatever generalization that is, I don't think that there's yeah. that level of women troll. So I just like, I like, and I, I just wanted to be able to be, I, I wish I could have like 30 seconds with that guy to just be like, look, I totally get how I was insensitive, like how I, that could be perceived as me being insensitive. That was not my intentions, but again, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, did you get that picture I sent you? Yeah. I was going to share my screen or, or um, I don't know if you So, wanna... well, this is just like, I'm going to, I have a better picture that I put on our Google drive that oh, I okay. can share, but this is, this is what I posted. And that's what the guy commented, go fuck yourself. And it basically That's... shows my pinball collection in April of 2018 and then what my pinball collection looks like in May of 2019. So like just over Pretty a year. Sweet. And uh, which I can. Uh, I'm going to keep this one up so I can see it better. Let me download this. <laughs> I have my iChat up, which this was the most recent thing in that, but then prior is the, is the Bill Murray drinking out of the coffee pot. I can uh, watch this endlessly. Yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> uh, Bill Murray. All right, let's do this. So, um, I, 
I had two pinball adventures basically since the last one we talked about. So uh, this is my current collection that I have right now. So this guy right here, Strange Science, um, we went two weeks ago, I think, or three weeks ago maybe, to Chicago. We did a day trip to oh, Chicago. Nice. Like drove up, Whoa. put the machine in the van, bought and some back, got some hot dogs, and drove back. Fuck. Like, I'm so glad to hear about the hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, that, this is a great story. So like, um, so this one was on my wish list. I really wanted this one. And for some reason, the theming really speaks to me on it. It's a mad scientist theme. Uh, and I got it for a really amazing price. And so <clears throat> we drove up to Chicago and the guy, it was in this like little neighborhood in Chicago. And the guy's as big as I am, but probably like a head shorter than me. And uh, so like really stocky, right? And uh, mm -hmm. we get the machine all loaded up. And I told Ash, I was like, when we're up there, I gotta, we got to get a good Italian beef sandwich or something because we're going to Chicago. And so uh, she's like, okay. So we get the machine loaded up and I turn to the guy and I'm like, and he's there. He's my size, about a head shorter. His girlfriend is there. She's like rail skinny, like super skinny. And uh, I, I turned to him and I'm like, okay, dude, who's got the best Italian beef sandwich in your neighborhood? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you don't want to talk to me for food. You want to talk to her. And he points to his girlfriend <laughs> and, I, and he's like, I know, I know. Trust me. She can eat. And so, so she's like, She's like, you want Italian beef? I was like, yeah. She's like, okay, you want to go? She, she's like, she starts giving me directions. She stops. She's like, are you sure you want Italian beef? Because there's this amazing hot dog place that's even closer. And so we were like, okay, yeah, we'll do the hot dog place. It was so fucking good. Like they had, it was a Chicago dog. No pickle though. Relish instead of a pickle. Usually a Chicago dog has a pickle on it. Yeah, like a full a spear, like a pickle yeah. spear, right? No, this just had relish. It was relish, onions, and mustard were the only condiments you could choose from. Oh, and stadium peppers. Like those little the the little like peppers that they put on hot dogs at a baseball stadium. I don't know. I usually forgo that kind of thing. I can't picture what that is. Uh it's just a little pepperoncini, like not like the pepperoncinis that go on uh Italian salad, but they're not hot. They're more like a pickled. They're maybe a little spicy, but not anything where you're like, I only need one of those. Like, cause they were all over the hot dog, but they did the hot dog with all those toppings. But then they had these fresh cut twice fried fries that they would put a big wad right on top of the hot dog and then wrap the whole thing up in foil. So like the fries, like steamed the bun of the hot dog. So when you, opened it up all the fries well most of the fries some of the fries stayed on the hot dog but then everything was like this big like steamy just deliciousness oh my gosh Ooh, it was so good that sounds good oh man so that was that trip and then uh this past weekend i traded one machine for this this guy right here last action hero yeah i could spot that even from a distance i'm like that's last action hero yeah and then uh world cup soccer right here so uh i got these uh two for one on on these guys and uh we decided to put the collection this is the longest wall in our house and it just so happens oh. to be in the room that we already had pinball machines in so all the uh i have a collection now that spans that whole wall and uh 
it just looks awesome and it looks great to have them all turned on at the same time and yeah i bet uh, at night that's oh yeah oh it's so fucking great yeah i need to take a picture or take a video or something at night um but they i all of these so all of them from this scared stiff to the left have different uh repairs and things that need done that's why i was able to get them at such good prices or gets so many you know such good deals on them is because they need some kind of work but work it's not work that i'm afraid to do so yeah um yeah that it can be fun enough in and of itself right the the work yeah and that's really like that the the tinkering is the uh, is i almost enjoy more than uh than the playing of the pinball which i enjoy playing pinball of course a lot if we end up doing the the Ohio destination for the Star Wars yeah. retreat, yeah, I'm gonna need to get a tutorial and all that. <laughs> like, uh, pinball? Oh yeah, we yeah, totally lights out, that. like overhead lights out, just like I'll be on Elvira all night. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah, you will. Uh, no, that uh, um, man, Scared Stiff is such a fun game. It's such a so I also all of those games are very except for dialed in the one on the right well even that one they're just very approachable games they're not like anybody can have fun on them any skill level can have fun on them Do you so, still have the one um so I'm looking at that uh here I'll just bring it up just in case there isn't another so the April 2018 photo at the top here has Independence Day. Is that Space Invaders in yeah. the middle? Yes. The one on the right is I I remember uh, that's the kind of virtual machine that you built, right? So it's yes. got like a computer monitor. Like Do you still have that? Uh, yeah. It's in, in pieces. The, in the row? Uh, it's oh. not in the row. It's uh, I dismantled it. It's downstairs in my basement. Um, I remember you telling me about that when you first reached out, you know, about Kung Fury and whatever after we hadn't. Yeah, you know, been in regular contact for a while. I thought that was so fascinating, because uh, it was like a virtual. It was like this play. F- you could play all kinds of games on it, right? Yeah, like you um, I had to- seventy five tables on that at one point. In time. Jesus, yeah. whoa! And that was kind of not your entry point to all this, but like you had that before probably any of these. That right? was my entry point to all this. Yeah, I mean that, that was. Uh, I mean, I like pinball before that, but that's what led to me getting Independence Day was my first machine and then I got Space Invaders really cheap on Craigslist and that one is still a basket case it's you can see that in the left of the May picture um oh yeah I see it no. uh but a lot of these machines that I uh well two of the machines that I have now I had on that virtual machine and one of those the Elvira one scared stiff that was the one like that I played on that virtual machine and when I decided I was like I have to own this machine at some point in time for real and I told Ash I was like someday I'm going to own a scared stiff and she thought it was going to be like you know a retirement gift or something (laughs) Uh, you made it happen right quick I'm too tenacious for shit like that I can't wait (laughs) that's right Uh, so so I'll wrap up this pinball event. So we got this past weekend. There was a, there was a, um, an arcade what? that's North of us. Uh, in, this is about the last action hero one. The last action hero okay, in world cup soccer. Uh, oh, you got them both at the, at the same. So th- yeah, I had one machine. I had that Houdini 
Um, oh yeah, I remember that from yeah. And uh, the this guy offered both of those machines for my Houdini, so I I, I took that trade all day long. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, and he had an arcade, and he kind of was like, I knew I wanted the World Cup Soccer. That's a really um, popular machine, and it's really fun. It's just super fun to play. Um, so I knew I wanted that one, and he was like, yeah, you can pick from any of these other ones. And there was a few that I wanted, but they were all in rough shape because uh, they were, you know, they were in an arcade. So they were being played regularly, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, Last Action Hero, even still, there's a couple rough things on that. But for the most part, it's pretty solid. That's why I went with that one. Uh, and it's marketable. Like it's popular. People like when I'm tired of it, I know I'll be able to trade it for something else. Uh, which is really, I mean, that's the, that's the whole trick. It's like, I don't want to, there's plenty of games that I would like to have, but I know I, I'm the only, like there's a small, like strange science is a great example of that. Like that's not a very popular machine. It's just one I wanted to have. And, uh, that's one that I'll probably have a little bit of trouble when I get tired of it trading off. You know what I mean? Hmm. Uh, So part of this is, is like, you have to like outweigh like, how easy is it going to be to get rid of it if you want to? And you have to weigh that in. Sometimes that might outweigh whether or not you want to own it. You know what I mean? That does. Well, I don't flip anything. I don't sell yeah. anything. <laughs> but I kind of get that. Because yeah. actually most of what I, everything I get is this idea of like, well, I just want to have that. <laughs> right. So that right. part of it I get. So... Um, but then you also like, cause I like to just play with game, like play the games until I get tired of them. And then I want something new. So that's part of why the reason behind you want something that you can flip is because that makes sense too. Yeah. Even to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, where, we actually where did you fit, go to get those. We fit both of those machines in my little van, my little, uh, oh my, my van that up to this point, I had only ever fit one machine in at a time. <laughs> we were able to get both of the pinball machines in the van. And then we had to drive back like an hour and a half from Lima. Lima, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, like with my gut sucked in because the steering wheel was like really? in my like with the oh, seats like pushed forward. And no, like, sir, I can't even like, yeah. I have this weird thing about, I think it's, I'm not sure which knee, but if I get in a constricted seats or whatever, I can't even deal with it. So the idea that you oh, no, it was drive awful. an hour and a half, like, it was oh, awful. I had to manually, you know how like when you turn, you let go of the steering wheel and let the steering wheel go back to center. You know, like it would do that because my belly was, I I had to manually put the wheel back to center and like, oh, it was awful. Uh, You and Ash went together? Oh, yeah. Uh, We were so cool that you're doing this together. I think that's very fun. I really enjoy it and it gives us an excuse to be in the car, which we don't really need because we can always go visit family (laughs) and do that, of course. But it just like I I really like to because we look at them as investments. Like we're going to either be moving them at some point in time uh, by trying to get other machines, or we're going to sell them or something. So I want her to be a part of the decision process. Like, are you like every deal I've done? Are you okay? Like, it's this price. Are you okay with buying it? Or there. Are, you know, I can get this machine for it. And this is what that machine goes for. Uh, once I fix this, this, and this. And so she's 
I, I like keeping her a part of that process. And then it just it fe- makes it special then that we're both a part of it. So yeah, um, yeah. You talk about them as pinball adventures, and and uh, yeah. that's how I think of it. And 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 the idea that you're there doing it together. I mean, that's the kind of thing you'll remember. Yeah. So much more than pr- playing the games, you know. So you'll remember that thing where with the trip where you couldn't turn the wheel. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you both remember that. So, um, yeah, that's super. Um, let's let me do one of my Palmer's pleasures, and it's a yeah. song. And then we'll we can kind of oh, cool. th- this will be a good this will be a good like segue you can kind of put the song in like yeah song, right? ladies and gentlemen Zedco is proud to present Palmer's pleasure <laughs> steamy no no please no no too sexy so um I. Of course, love music, and I listen to tons of music, and uh, I haven't in a while done a Palmer's Pleasure that was music. Let me ask you quickly: When and where do you listen to music? I'm I'm just con- just just currently in the last like week making a conscious effort to listen to music, say on my drive home. So in the morning, I listen to a book on tape or whatever. Mm-hmm. The way back, I'm like. I'm going to listen to music. <laughs> I've been listening to weird shit. Like, I mean, surprisingly random shit. But um, where do you usually make a point of doing that? When and where? In the car, for sure. Because we have, oh, excuse me. We have Sirius Satellite Radio. Sirius yes, XM. yeah, us too. Um, I'm just looking at the bill for that and trying to decide. <laughs> so here's the thing. Never pay sticker value on Sirius XM. Always call them and be like, I don't know if I can afford this or, you know, uh-huh. I just don't think it's worth it. And they'll always give you a better deal. Always. Okay. I'll uh, steal myself. So we're on the, we have two radios and we have the, we do the monthly plan. And on the monthly plan for two radios, we pay. Uh, where's the last one? And are these two vehicles or like yeah, two? two? Well, they call them radio, like they go by radio. So it is like if they're permanent radios in our car, so we can't pull okay. them out. Because I thought I, I set up for it to be not in the car, but online so that basically we could just, you know, yeah stream it from our phone but it's remained in the car and anyway (laughs) no you should you if you pay for that online you should have a username that you can log into on your phone to then listen to it anywhere you want also yeah yeah exactly but but oddly enough like it's continued to work in the car oh yeah i think that the online thing is an add-on you automatically have to have the car thing oh okay all right i think i will do i'm like "Ah, i don't know we do. We we pay like fifteen. I just looked. It's fifteen, almost sixteen dollars a month for two radios, but we don't get two? any online access. Okay. I'll so it's that. just our cars. But you gotta. I mean, you gotta. Like you gotta call in and you gotta kind of be a dick and kind of be like, well, I'm just gonna walk away from your service then. If you I can't, think I can do that. You know, if you can't, if you can't do anything, <laughs> then yeah. it's just not worth this cost to me. Yeah. Uh, but if you can do a better price, I would consider it. And I do it every year, every because they give it to really? you for a year. <laughs> yep. And yeah. I set a reminder so that it's a month early. 
So I call in a month before it's up and I'm just like, yeah, I'm almost out of here and uh, I'm not going to renew because I'm not going to pay that new price. Like the, 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 the yeah. norm, which is the normal price. The normal price. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to pay the normal price. I'm just not paying that. Oh, man. That's how all these things operate. Yeah. And they're just like, okay, no problem. <laughs> we'll just cut that in half for you. How's that? Uh, can you do any better? Oh, 75% off? Sure. Yeah, I'll do that. I think I can do it, particularly because I don't understand like how we have the car thing. We're not, if I can leverage an actual truth where I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. And honestly, like I could, I could do away with it. The, the the thing in the back of my mind that'll help me that'll push me just a little bit to be like kind of a dick it's like they have a pearl jam and bruce springsteen channel yes <laughs> that when i'm like in and a, a tom petty one and a beatles one <laughs> and a, like like it goes on and on and on like. so that'll help me be like well i could just hit that button and so, go like just yesterday i heard like a version of uh, lucan there's a pearl jam song called lucan it's a minute long it's just barking but I know what he says, but there's a version I heard randomly that's like with an orchestra and he's singing it like slow. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, I'd never hear yeah. this. I'm like, serious. I'm trying to think about whether I want it. So what you've told me plus that experience will help me. Uh, so, but so you I listen love, in the car. I listen How, in the yeah. car. But, but um, you usually drive so with Ash, right? Yeah. So, so in the morning, a, in yeah. the morning, we'll listen to MSNBC. So we get our morning Joe on the way mm-hmm. in. And then in the afternoon and any time that's not a work day, it will typically be on. So we've really got on. I'm really digging classic vinyl right now, which is this like. That's a channel. It's a channel. It's called classic vinyl. And so it's like essentially classic rock. But every now and like in the regular rotation, not even every now and then on top of like a sides, they play B sides too. So it's like, you'll get this, like these deep cuts on these like vinyl records that like you've never heard on the radio before. And they'll play those along, like all these like top 10 classic rock songs. So that station is really great. But my, for new music, I love listening to alt nation. Uh, that's the name of the station is alt. Nation. Yeah. I gotta and, try that. Um, I know how to program my thing now, finally. I'm like, oh, I just hit this button. (laughs) And so, like, we love this channel so much. They do this thing that's called the Advanced Placement Tour, which is essentially... So they're really good. The reason I love Alt Nation so much is I'll hear a song, and I will fall in love with it. And a year later, that song will become popular. And I'll be like, I already listened to that song. I already knew about that. I, I knew about that artist two albums ago. Nice. And it's all because of Alt Nation, like because they are so avant-garde on like because they're constantly trying to fill a whole day's worth of programming. Right. So they have to be they're constantly showcasing these new. And so like currently there's a really popular artist right now. She's really young. Her name is Billie Eilish. Have you heard of her? No. Um, She's she's blowing up her her full length feature length album just came out and it's spectacular i heard her last summer like her single for that came out last summer and we loved it and now this album just came out like a month ago and everybody's talking about billy eilish we've been listening to her for a year you know sweet um so alt nation i never feel like that i need this (laughs) so my only complaint right now with alternative music is a lot of it sounds really poppy 
And that's just because and they call it alternative just because it'll swear. Like I like Ash is like, <laughs> why is this on all nation? Yeah. This sounds all, like it should to be what? on top 40. And I'm like, well, it's because they say fuck like in the chorus, you know, like they can't play that in top 40. So they, they that automatically makes it alternative. And so uh, that's my that would be my only complaint. But I love the DJs. But uh, I, w- I was talking about the advanced placement tour. So they do this thing where they'll play like this is a new artist that and they're, they're just trying to get a feel for an artist. And if it gets any kind of traction, then they'll play it some more and then play it some more. They do the alt 18, which is like the 18 most requested songs from the week that get tweeted as requests. So then they put that into an alt. They, they compile that into the 18. And then on Saturdays, they'll do the alt 18 where the top 18 songs from the week, which harkens back to like, MTV days for me. And uh, so I really like that. Um, I love their DJs. We bought tickets to, so they do this tour every summer where it's called the advanced placement tour, where they take like three to five upcoming alternative artists that they're trying to showcase and they'll do a tour with those artists. We bought tickets this year for the one. Uh, Cool. Like, Sight unseen. We didn't even like, we were just like, we should just go to that show because we love the station so much. Like we, yeah. like, you know, and oh, that's a great feeling. Yeah. That's, that is like kind of so FM nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we're going to go to that. We're going to that at the end of the end of June, we're going to go see the oh, advanced placement awesome. tour. So it's a fantastic station. I just love the station. Alt just nation. Alt okay. nation. What's the number? Um, let me see. I have it on my like presets. So, I've been listening to some nutty stuff <laughs> in terms of like when I decided to start listening to some music, just to give you an idea. Uh, one of the first days I did it, I was like, I listened to silk 34. The, oh yeah. Uh, I know. So 34, 34 yeah. is alt nation. Fre- Want to get freaky with me? Like I listened to their whole album this week. Oh, <laughs> so that, that album. nice. And, and that song is fun. Yeah. But the whole album maybe didn't need to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But but still, like I I was like I think this will make me in a put me in a better mood to get home yeah. than anything else. Like yeah. just some music. But I haven't. So yeah, anyway, so that's so what we'll I'll try we'll that. do. So we'll do news in the morning, and then we'll do, um, we'll do some kind of music. Generally, any other time. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, and then audiobooks I'll do at my desk or I'll do while I'm walking the dog or if I'm in the car by myself and the book is okay. really good. Yeah. Um, then I'll do those things. And what's this new song that you're, uh, <laughs> that, that you're into you do want to okay. share? Okay. So there's this, um, this artist is Flora cash is the name, um, of the artist. And they already had one song that was really, uh, that that was already popular on alt nation and this one it's i've only heard it twice on alt nation and both so the first time was when we were coming back from chicago after buying that machine oh cool and ash was um ash was sleeping and this song is so good it just it it hits a nerve for me so well that i'm just like i didn't even listen to the words the first time I was just like this song is so good it just has this rhythm to it that just like and his singing is so methodical 
Um, let me uh, bring it up. I'll, I'll send out the URL, uh, which should be there. So go ahead and queue it up, and I'll put it in the chat too. <laughs> I was just noticing Moto was in the chat. He goes, Dave's car is pregnant now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. Every song in that album. I remember my parents like being like, because that song says... Let me lick you up and down till you say stop. And my parents are like, "Hey, <laughs> like, you know, I was I don't know what I said. I remember like listening to it walking down Ohio Avenue to to school." Yeah. Anyway, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I was listening to that and I have no idea where I discovered it, but that's funny that Mona knows. Okay. So uh, what am I clicking on? Um so the second URL that I posted in there the YouTube one and we'll cue Floor that up. Cash. Yep. Floor cash. They, own this, they own this town is the name of the song. And so actually right before we got on, I watched this. This is the lyric version, the lyric video. There's an actual like video with the people in it as well. Um, but this is the first time I actually like looked at the lyrics and this song just speaks to me on all levels. It just, it's what we're going through in the world we're living in right now. It's what I'm going through personally right now. It's got a fucking amazing beat and rhythm to it. I mean, I just was watching this. I might cry while we're watching it now, but oh, I watched man. it before we like before we got on and I'm like just sobbing watching it and like finally absorbing the lyrics for it. It just I don't know. It's just fucking amazing i told ash i was like we're seeing this band when they when however they come near us we're seeing them they're they're so good awesome um so we'll do a countdown they own this town by flora cash we're gonna hit play in three two one play This reminds me a lot of like your kind of music where like it starts out and just builds. It just keeps building and building and building. Yeah. And getting so big. Oh, God damn, that song is so good. Nice. Oh, man. Yeah, it's interesting because like I can attach meaning to it just from what I know of what you're going through. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh man, that's uh And then like that's nice to get a song like that when you need it. <laughs> yeah, it, and and I'm putting my own personal thing on it and then watching it, I'm trying to watch it like externally now and 
they're talking about their career as musicians like we're yeah. like we're trying to move forward like you know like we're but who cares about that really you know <laughs> but i like you yeah. put your own that's the that's what makes any art good is that if it, if somebody can relate to it right and and those problems are problems that any two people are going to experience and yeah it's yeah. weird that's the only part it's interesting that you say that to me because I relate to the verses because they seem so grounded. And yeah. then it gets to that. I'm like, what? I was like, I think I know what they're talking about, but that seems like a different world yeah. <laughs> than yeah. the verses. I remember um, Bruce Springsteen would say this thing. I'm, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but uh, something to do with like the blues and the verses and the gospel and the chorus. It's something to do with like in the verses you deal with like, the nitty gritty, like down and dirty, like struggles. Yeah. And, but when you get to the chorus, you want to be like singing out kind of celebratory. And, uh, yeah. And this is a little bit more of a kind of resilient, they own this town, but it's like, huh? <laughs> anyway, but, but, but that, uh, it doesn't matter exactly because like no. you, you kind of earn it in the verses. And so you just want that release of the chorus, even if I just, that doesn't relate to you directly. Yeah. And, um, no, you're exactly right. Who yeah. owns what town? Unless you're floor cash. <laughs> yeah. It, um, and I, from a basal musical level, this is the kind of music that I like where it starts. Like, I love those. It's like a movie, you know, like the first, the first time they go through the first verse, the first time they go through the chorus is like the exposition. Like, yeah, we're just like set the scene. We're just getting you comfortable with what's going on in this song. And then, Every time they come back, they just add another layer to it. To the by the end, it there's essentially screaming. They're not literally screaming, but that that chorus is just in everything. It's in every oh, like that. note in every that's being thing. said, like every beat, everything. The art is going into it from the video, and it's all working into this giant crescendo that it's built to. You know, that's just like so. That's what I meant when I said it reminds me a lot of your music because a lot of your songs do that where they just like they build on this very like the sound and then it builds and grows and grows and grows and grows and your voice grows and everything. I like a build. I'll take that. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that song. Thank you. For yeah. There. Um, I, I would just record there. So the single that this is on is really good. There are other or the the EP this is on is very good. Um the other song on that is um Floor Cash, you're somebody else. And if you heard that you might have heard that song actually. Uh I'm trying to You know what's kind of, you know what's kind of fun this uh, I'm I'm looking at it on the Long Walk Short Drink YouTube account and most of the suggested videos are Cobra Kai. <laughs> so uh, I'm just sort of reframing it in my mind. Like they own this town. It could be, if you're listening to that from a Miyagi-Do or Cobra Kai yeah. kind of lens, <laughs> that could yep. work in the context of that show. So that's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, no, it's very relatable. And I think it, it I think also in the context of this world, it, it's very relatable where I think a lot of, I don't know. I get this sense that a lot of people just feel stagnant right now and feel like they're just churning for nothing. <laughs> and who <laughs> fucking likes to live like that, man? Like, 
nobody likes living like that. I don't know. Purpose. And yeah. Reward and uh, it, it, well, it, we're we're fucking we're coming up spades in purpose, man. We all have purpose. We know, like. I feel like we're so awake right now as a people. We know what needs to happen, and there's just no. I don't know. It's so easy. Oh, that's interesting. To, I haven't thought about it like that. To, like they own this town. Yeah. Like the, the people you the who who can make the decisions that we can't. Yeah. <laughs> that would make a difference. Yeah, and um, we can't. That's why we're churning because we don't have any power we know what needs to happen yeah. and we don't have any power to make it happen in fact when we try we're just like we just get kicked back down because we don't own this town huh oh man you sold me on this song you sold yeah. some some downloads i would hope <laughs> i hope it's like so I, it was, fucking good like something. seriously check out flora cash like just check them out they're so so good I listened to the whole EP. It's amazing. I need to listen to their first albums. But Jesus, check them out. Wicked. Yeah. Alt Nation, dude. I got to try this. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to add it to my... Uh, generally, we um, if we're just kind of have the radio on absentmindedly, uh, Series XM, uh, it's New Wave is the channel. I th- I think it's... 30 something and uh it's like new wave 80s songs that uh yeah a lot of which the bride knows pretty well and i may or may not but uh uh that's kind of our our go-to for some reason a lot of 80s stuff i'm not really not sure why yeah <laughs> but that's our uh lithium. our, our I, go-to I, I listen and to lithium lith- is on there yeah, yeah lithium is really good that's rotation. like the 90s um grunge mu- yeah. music right so which I had this great, I had this, like, I don't know why it was, it took me so long to think about this, but it's like, what does alternative become? And I know the whole, uh, what's that grunge documentary? Um, oh, hype. Yeah. yeah. There's a shout factory on that. I got to get that thing. Um, and I know that's like a major, that's a major discussion point in that documentary of them trying to explore this concept of like, what is alternative music when it becomes popular? You know, I love that thing that one guy does. Uh, I can't remember if it, he's going from punk to grunge, he's or from rock to grunge. But it's a it's a guitar chord thing, and he's like, it's a kind of like it's this bar chord thing. If you're watching on YouTube, you can kind of see how I'm holding my hand, like the way you do a bar chord. And he's like, this is shit. I wish I could remember what it was. Like whether it's rock or or punk, I can't remember which of the two. It's like and he's like. And then this is grunge. And it's just a slight tweak of a minor or whatever. Like, yeah. I can't do it. Um, I can't verbalize it. But it, you hear it and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, like that, like musically, that's kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, it's much more than well, that. Well, I'm, I'm like, thinking abstractly, culture. though. Like, yeah, the whole point of alternative notes. music is alternative to what is popular. So then yeah. what happens when <laughs> alternative becomes popular? Um, right. And I would say the thing that encapsulates that question and then ultimately what steers the discussion for the rest of that documentary is there's a guy talking about how, you know, we're in New York and we're on Fifth Avenue and we see flannels and ripped jeans being sold for hundreds of dollars a piece. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, we only wore that shit because we were fucking cold. Like it, right. Seattle's cold. <laughs> yeah. like, that's that's why we wore long johns and flannels and, right. and jeans because 
we were poor and it was cold. And, uh, and so it caused this big, de- I like, I would say like, and I, I would think for some of those guys an existential crisis, right? Like, Oh God. Yeah. Like we're big time. This is what we're, this is what Especially we're singing the, against. And now the really popular that. ones. Yeah. yeah. Like Pearl Jam chief among them. And, and like in that video in the, cause they were, they were trying to maintain a kind of a, a grounded nature to the, where they came from and where they wanted to, who they wanted to represent, who they felt like the, the one of Pearl Jam's uh, more famous songs i guess if you go past like the 10 album it's called corduroy and it's because like this jacket that eddie vetter wore around the time that they were getting really famous all of a sudden this corduroy jacket was like yeah became this fashionable thing that you get for hundreds of dollars but he bought at a thrift store when he came to like be in the band yeah and he's and part of the the lyrics of that song is like i don't want to take what you can give i'd rather starve than eat your bread you know this idea is like i don't want this (laughs) from you guys but how are you supposed to like you know Kinda you do, otherwise you wouldn't be there. Right. But but the price we would is know much who Pearl Jam ho- is if they didn't take that, right? Like Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And actually we we wouldn't also know who a lot of those other bands are. Even if right. we don't like a lot of those bands in hype, most all of them, like I had never heard of fuck like screaming trees or and I still haven't. Like I haven't dived deeper. And that was some of the frustration that yeah. Pearl Jam talked about. It's like, okay, we're getting this attention based on what and then we feel guilty because we know that these bands have been here so much longer doing the same thing and nobody's looking at them but why aren't they looking at them why are they looking at us and what the fuck are we supposed to do we're trying to shine a light on them but we can't you know we can't dictate yeah anyway it's a it's a pretty cool documentary that i think deals with all that in a pretty straightforward and entertaining way fuck i gotta get that shot factory Fucking Shout Factory, man. They're doing the Lord's work. Job. You should apply for a job for Shout Factory. You, you know, I did. I don't know if I told you, but I reached out to the guy. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name. From Red Shirt Pictures that does a lot of like the supplementary work on a lot of these genre movies, like Stephen King movies. That I was like, I really appreciate what you're doing. And uh, I actually regret, I did this in the last like two months, but I kind of regret that I did even interject any idea of working for him because I like, I, would rather that he would have known that it was coming for because I don't actually want to work with him. Yeah. <laughs> like if he comes here, I don't want to figure out how to rent gear and stuff like that. <laughs> like, oh shit! To Minneapolis because that's kind of how we left it. It's like yeah, if if you come, if I go to Minneapolis, I'll look you up. Which whether he would or wouldn't, I don't know. But really, I just want to say thanks for like what you do and the way you approach it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Shout Factory is doing the Lord's work. I I won't get into it today, but like I, I there's a cuffs. Shout Factory Special Edition. If ever I thought I'd live to see the, I like never would I thought to live to see the day to enjoy this thing. <laughs> and what's so funny is they started as like B horror, like doing that tree, the the Criterion Collection for like B horror yeah. movies, right? And they like, say that I think even their Twitter now is like putting pop culture on a pedestal since whatever. Yeah, and yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, but a lot of what they choose, they must be the same age as me or something, because sure, they're right line. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I think that it is, uh, yeah, they are doing the Lord's work. Um, for me, anyway. for you, yeah, <laughs> definitely for you. Um, uh, man, that's awesome. Well, we're coming up, uh, we're coming up to our, our time and, uh, I, I could, pee, still but I could also just power through. Yeah. Um, so here's, pee. that's all awesome. here's that's impressive. I, I'm just going to say we're going on three hours and we haven't had a pee break. Like, I'm proud of I don't, us. Think, I don't think that is. 
ever happened ever in the history of long walk short drink i think now at this point we need to try to wrap up this episode without I taking it, a pee break yeah i think it'd be exciting so yeah. so here are the i'm currently in the midst of christine um but the two things that i could talk about uh in their entirety are i think we only do one or the other for today are um either apt people or cycle of the werewolf slash silver bullet which of those sounds I, I, most appealing so, to you? So I um, definitely think that I want to give Cycle of the Werewolf its, uh, its due time just because I, if there was any Stephen King book in this era of Stephen King books that I thought you would really relate to, it would be the Cycle of the Werewolf just because it, re- you know, of the ties to Universal. To the universe yeah, monsters. That's just, I like werewolves in general. Yeah. Um, uh, like clawing, like carving claw marks into trees. And I did do that. Yeah. So <laughs> awesome. Um, so I would think, I would like to put Cycle of the Werewolf. Okay. I, I would like to give that its own time. Plus, also, it just makes sense to do at pupil since we did different seasons. Yeah. Um, we're almost done with different seasons here. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. But I was aware of this movie after people, but actually I, I had no idea that it was a Stephen King related story until recently, which the general gist of apt people is, um, what, uh, I can't remember. They, 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 it is a setting even a little bit. A sociopathic preteen. Oh, they like, perfectly said. Yeah. Basically a sociopathic fe- preteen discovers that there is a, a, uh, fugitive Nazi officer living in his neighborhood, essentially. Perfectly said. Yeah, exactly. And um, so he kind of goes up to the guy's door one day once he's got it all figured out and he's like, I want to hear about this. I want to hear about the time in the, in the concentration camps. I know who you are and blackmails him into telling him about that time and history and his experience. Um, It's pretty simple. And then like all the, ramifications thereof so it appeared in uh stephen king's collection of short stories different seasons which also includes the shawshank redemption uh reading here within shawshank redemption as well as the body which is the basis of stand by me and then the breathing method which is not filmed um but there was something man there was no there was only one like well there's a couple of passages in the in the story that i marked so when he starts pressing, when the kid starts pressing Dusander, the, the 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 Nazi, about his time um, as a Nazi sort of enforcer, uh, Todd is the kid's name. There's this one paragraph that really struck me. Um, 
Uh, Himmler. I'm sorry. All those filled American lie. There was this kind of social critique, like in um, what would this have been? The very early '80s uh, that he was writing this, or possibly the late '70s, published in the early '80s. But um, he so Dusander is like confront. He doesn't want to talk to this kid. He doesn't want to admit no. to who he is. Yep. Um, but eventually he does, and uh, um. So, so there's this, uh, so hopefully I won't read too long here, but this really like knocked me off my, <laughs> my chair at the, uh, I mean, I'm listening. It's to the car, a very so. like sick story. Like you feel yeah. dirty the entire yes. time while you're going through it. Like at, at the same time, like I remember you saying that too. And I, I was oddly compelled. Yeah. That's why you feel dirty. Cause you want to, you want to, yeah. you're like buying into some of like the, like something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I was comfortable with it. The scene, the the set, and they do it in the movie and in the book. The and I'm cutting you off, and I apologize. No, no, that's okay. Like, no, I appreciate the momentum. Uh, when the kid <laughs> buys the Nazi costume, oh my god, and makes him put it on for him so he can see yes. him as a Nazi officer, and that scene is already bad enough because like you have this old man. And you you start to feel bad for him because he's like, you wonder like, is he trying to like forget the past so he can atone for it? Is he try like what is like why what is his motivation for being so apprehensive of this? And then he finally caves and puts it on for the kid, and that's bad enough. But then it gets worse because then later that night, like he wakes up in the middle of the night because he can't sleep and he puts it on himself like by himself and that like it gives him comfort putting it on you like yeah yeah he starts to sleep in it yeah on the regular because it lets him sleep and like so then you feel icky because of all that oh fuck man that i remember just feeling like i needed to take a shower every time i would listen to this book like yeah it's it's intense. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I liked it more than I think than I thought I would or yeah. should <laughs> or yeah. something. No, it, there isn't an, an intriguing, sick pleasure to it for, for sure. Like, I'm not denying that. Yeah. It's interesting the way that it, it that it works on you as a, as a reader. I'm, I'm, the, I'm so, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think, I think I found the part that I was wanting to, to read. So like the do Sander, the, he goes by a different name to most of his neighbors in the, in societies like a hiding war, war criminal. Um, but the kid has figured out who he is, Todd. And, and he, and, uh, but the do Sanders like upset about the whole thing. Like he, you know, he's alarmed that the kid has discovered him and stuff. And so he calls the kid a monster for wanting to know about this stuff. And so the quote here, I'll, I'll start to read is, um, Todd sniffled quote, according to the books I read from my report, you're the monster, Mr. Dusander, not me. You sent them to the ovens, not me. 2,000 a day at Patton before you came, 3,000 after. 3,500 before the Russians came and made you stop. Himmler called you an efficiency expert and gave you a medal. So you call me a monster? Oh, boy. And this is what gets me. Dusander goes, all of that is a filthy American lie. He, he said, setting his glass on with a bang, slopping bourbon onto his hand and the table. The problem was not of my making, nor was the solution. I was given the orders and directives which I followed. Todd's smile widened. It was almost a smirk. 
Oh, I know how the Americans have distorted that, Dusander muttered. But your own politicians make our Dr. Goebbels look like a child playing with picture books in a kindergarten. They speak of morality while they douse screaming children and old women in burning napalm. Your draft resistors call cowards peace and are your draft resistors are called cowards and peaceniks for refusing to follow orders. They are either put in jails or scourged from the country. Those who demonstrate it against this country's unfortunate Asian adventure are clubbed down in the streets. The GI soldiers who are, who kill the innocent are decorated by presidents welcomed home for the bayoneting of children and the burning of hospitals with parades and bunting. They are given dinners, keys to the city, free tickets to pro football games. He, he tosses glass in Todd's direction. Only those who lose are tried as war criminals for following orders and directives. He drank and then had a coughing fit that brought him brought thin color to his cheeks. Shit like that is just like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> I mean, they're talking about Vietnam, but King is which, it doesn't matter. I mean, that was a long time ago. Super political oh, in these early works. Jesus. Like, wait till you start getting into his like um, his uh, anti nuclear books where he works in like nuclear. Um, protest like his problems with nuclear power and yeah i haven't gotten any nuclear that, weapons yeah. uh tommy knockers it's really heavy in tommy knockers uh a lot but which i love fucking love tommy knockers anyways uh back to at pupil the um, only other thing I want to read from the short story is like one line. And right. I don't know where it falls on the whole thing, but at some point there's a quote. I'm not even sure who said it. Actually, I, it's not either the main characters. But uh, somebody says, and maybe it, it isn't possible to stand t- close to murder piled upon murder and not be touched by it. Because basically the kid, Todd, like keeps... he blackmails Dusander into telling him about all this fucked up stuff from his time in the concentration camps and it starts to kind of haunt him ultimately and the the Todd like eventually is like killing there's a lot of like killing of drunks and hobos (laughs) by both of these men like people killing people people who wouldn't be missed as a means of kind of I don't know what exercising their tendencies (laughs) um oh geez and then they're just kind of enmeshed like they can like they have to hide like they todd lies to his parents about you know what he's doing over this old man's house he's saying he's a blind man who can't read for himself so he's reading for him and i don't know it just kind of gets uh and it spirals sticky yeah Yeah. to where they're they're and actually i i i like the fact that it's important that there's a jump in time where you realize that they this lie has really like he's very young when he starts and he's like in high school when it ends when it all like falls apart yeah yeah um he, there I, is I, like a I, dead body I, in the basement and he has to cover for it and yeah and it ultimately i love the way the book ends because he kind of like goes off the deep end like he's kind of primed to be the like go to college and get all these things. But then he goes like it, it all falls apart in the last act and he's about to be exposed. And doesn't he like, doesn't it end with him taking his rifle out to an, 
like to a highway and just starts picking people off on oh, the highway. Like, yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Now I'm curious. Um, I think that's right. Like he goes out there a few times and he does like kill these. He does go down like by train tracks, I think, and, and or alleyways or something and kills um, homeless people. But I think, yeah, at the, at the very end, he does. He's like running from the cops and he like, yep. he wants to go out on this one last he knows his guidance he's, counselor brings him down. Yeah, yeah. Cops to him. And uh, so he goes to this hillside where it overlooks a highway, and he just starts picking off drivers like while they're driving down the road. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, here. I found my notes now, from mostly from the movie. I, I had a few from the book, one of which was like the guy that was handling um, DeSanders' money that enabled him to live, basically the, the banker or investor, whoever, who managed to like harness whatever money he had from his time you know in in europe to be able to live in america happens to be andy dufresne oh yes <laughs> from, uh, yes from the shawshank redemption who we know to be a pretty smart guy in that that uh uh regard let's see oh at first in the first like i didn't realize it was for a, a long time it was just them in do sanders house so i'm like oh i could very easily see this adapted as a stage play you know without much ch- change yes. or alteration but th- it does sort of grow beyond that but perhaps that that could still be an interesting way to tell this story uh, so many mentions of the title no and no other Stephen King story that I've listened to I think has there been so many times where the title phrase is uttered yeah. <laughs> uh, apt pupil is said a lot by like the kid's mother by you know by Sander, by all kinds of people in his life um, and the movie so, stars Ian McKellen yes who is amazing and Very. Brad and Brad Renfo who is renfro who is also good like he is really good like i i think i when i listen to that commentary for uh, maximum over uh, maximum overdrive where they talk about all stephen king's other cinematic adaptations uh-huh. it just so happened that certain ones that were coming up this this was among them they're like this you know such such and such movie was pretty good like better than yeah. we expected and yeah. this and uh this was like a quite a good adaptation of the, of the book that is pretty faithful, like maybe a couple slight deviations, but very and much in keeping with the spirit of the book. Totally makes you feel icky watching it. Like yeah. you're intrigued yeah. in a dark way at this like interchange between these two people. I That kid is so fucking sadistic. Like I remember yeah. listening to that book and just thinking like, and, and being a teacher I knew kids oh, like that. Yeah. Like I, oh I, like, my god, I, I, like really? That I let me say this. I knew kids. I saw kids pass through my class that I interacted with. That it would not. That this kind of stuff would not have surprised me about them. Oh, you know what I mean? God. And not. I don't mean like the kid where you're like that kid's a fucking Nazi. Where like you could. I mean, manipulative, smart, swarmy sociopaths that uh, young that smart that like manipulative that that just kids that you knew that were going to grow up I, I hate saying this about kids i probably shouldn't say it about kids kids you you would hope wouldn't grow up to be shitty fucking bosses that are just gonna you know what i mean just like bad people 
Yeah, just like exert their yeah. sort of authority over yeah. whoever they can or, or just kind yeah. of put their thumb on anybody they can yeah. find. For their own pleasure even, not even for their own gain, for their right. pleasure, you know, like because yes. they enjoy it, not because they're going to get something from it. They actually enjoy that. Yeah, all they uh, get is the enjoyment of yeah. like, subjugating someone else. Yeah. Oof. So um, I have a good one. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. I have I have like a short page of notes from the movie, but I do have to pee desperately. Um, and I hear the bride out there. All right, it may take maybe just a short break, and then I'll come back and rifle through anything notable. Yeah, let's uh, go pee, and then we'll wrap this up, and I'll give my um, I'll end on a movie trailer, and then we'll be out of here. That sounds perfect. Okay, right. I'll be super fast. All right, yeah, now I got to pee too. So, okay, let me just put this guy up. All right, buddy. This no, is the fine. shirt I would have put on a while ago. Hey, oh, look at that it's thing. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. You're a hawk. Oh. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so this is a Brian Singer movie that I've seen, <laughs> as opposed to X-Men. Yeah. yeah. And I think this came out two years before X-Men, um, and this was his follow-up to, I think, I'm pretty sure uh, this was his follow-up to Usual Suspects, you know, his yeah. big breakthrough uh directorial movie you know one of most film fans are familiar with he's he's fallen out of favor recently i think he's done some unpleasant things uh, <laughs> no he is he has definitely done unpleasant things uh <laughs> he has a provocation for young young oh, influential a... men in hollywood oh, like which in light of this movie yeah is a little disturbing like, uh, like people talk about going to parties and seeing him have essentially like boys there to do his bidding and oh, other people's Lord. bidding. And I don't mean like, I, 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 I don't know obviously enough to really, I, I don't think though they mean like eight year old boys, like, like very young men, like 17, 18 year old men. Yeah, like a uh, Todd. Like he's yeah, drawn to this yeah. material for an unfortunate reason. Yes. yes. It looks exactly like Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. His evil brother. <laughs> and I always heard of like X Men was this kind of um people read it as an allegory for being gay. Like the the idea of like the mutant sort of outcast was this like yeah. the outcast of being uh you know, a, a, an out you know gay man or woman in a particular period of time and perhaps what how he identified with that material but maybe there's some other things going on as well <laughs> in any event it's like uh you know you're not, 
watching a new Brian Singer movie is not the same. It doesn't have the same. I I like the social attachment as it I, did. <laughs> I well no, but I like to do. I like to do the same approach that you do with like Mel Gibson. Like you have to separate <laughs> the artist from the art, right? Like that's tough to do. It I is. It is. It, it. It. it <laughs> I struggle with it all the time too, but at the end of the day, if I'm going to do that, I'm not going to have anything. I'm not going to have any art then because all of <laughs> right. us have fucking demons and problems that we work through. I don't yeah. condone any that's, this is not me condoning any of that shit. Like, right. Of course. Yeah. Like, am I never going to, am I, am I, so should I never watch anything that, um, Winehouse produced? Should I never like, or right. Yeah. Or not Winehouse. That's not his name. Um, Weinstein. Weinstein. Should I yeah, should I yeah. should I never watch any movie that Harvey Weinstein ever produced? That knocks out like yeah. at, at least a <laughs> so, quarter of any of the movies made in my lifetime. Right? You know what I mean? Like I yeah. <laughs> like Well, I try to remember too. I think the bride said this once and uh and she could be much more sort of harsh on this type of thing than than me. It's like the so if you think it's something like the Cosby show, so Bill Cosby turns out is a monster. Yes. But like all of the other people related to that show weren't necessarily monsters. And right. so like, I don't know. That's, Oh God. It's, it's so tough fucking to talk tough. about. It's so and it fucking does. tough. It gets, like gets wrapped but up. Like, in my whole all. thing is like Bill Cosby is now in prison. He's paying for those things that he did like that. So what is me not watching himself? Like ghost dad. <laughs> yeah. Ghost dad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I was thinking his stand-up, Bill Cosby himself, yeah, which is like good. one of the best stand-ups in my opinion. Like, which is hard. Like, that makes me feel dirty to even say that. Yeah, it's tough. Like, I. But it's I like, should it I never, weekly. should I never watch that ever again? He's paying for his crimes right now. Yeah, Brian Singer's paying for not getting any more work in Hollywood right now, so I never can watch X Men again. Right, you know, know. it it definitely adds like a a layer of darkness to this particular one, like because it it has this whole thing of like an older man and a younger boy and the kind of toxic nature of their relationship. Yeah, and and there Um, is this like homoerotic idea. Like I don't know, I I don't know. And actually, to that end, I so uh, one of my I guess it's a favorite movie of mine, but a movie that I'm very familiar with and like is uh, Gods and Monsters, which Ian McKellen was in the same year and is a a very similar role, except for in that case, he's playing the real-life character of James Whale, the director of Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein, who was a veteran of World War I, and it's this kind of semi-fictional account of his the end of his life where this, like, gardener... I, I don't know if this part is true. It's based on a book, and I'm not sure if this part of the book is true. Like the gardener played by Brendan Fraser <laughs> in the movie. Um, they strike up an unlikely sort of friendship and, and James Whale was gay. Uh, yeah. At a time when that was not very accepted. Um, but I think, and they didn't have any kind of like actual, you know, romantic relationship, but they struck up some sort of unlikely friendship. And I th- you know, um, so it's very similar in that people to certain ways, except for Brendan Fraser is an sociopath. He's just a, unlike, he's just a gardener who was right. drawn into this, this eccentric guy's, um, you know, final days. But it's very interesting to me that Ian McKellen played 
such i mean and james whale was not a nazi but uh um this kind of older man younger man yeah uh, in dynamic, a relationship in this a, kind of secret relationship in a and, secret intimate relationship like it doesn't like yeah. intimacy doesn't mean sex right it just means like a secret it means some like we're yeah. sharing this trust in this like closeness with each other and and in both cases these are kind of they're sharing dark secrets with one another yeah yeah <laughs> not so much dark as like the holocaust you know in gods and monsters but he's sharing his experiences in the war and i think in some ways james whale wanted to die and there's a certain point spoilers for that movie where he wants maybe this character to kill him so he does make this overt pass at him in the hopes that he will aggravate him enough to kill him um yeah but anyway so that movie is one and that's directed by uh bill condon um anyway that's a that's a great great movie came out in the same year a lot of the same themes represented in a different way but the movie was yeah it's like really good and like it's dealing with this very rich source material but also even if there wasn't all this weird brian singer stuff which definitely brings like a meta level to it um just the whole gods and monsters thing is was a bit of a, a meta level <laughs> to me yeah. as well. So I, I really dug it, and I thought Brad Renfro, who I'd actually probably never seen in anything else, I think he passed away young too, right? He's not with us anymore, if I'm uh, not mistaken. I'm not sure. Um, really? Maybe I'm wrong about that. I just clicked on his. Born. Yeah, he died in 2008. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, so I the the other movie I know him like I know so he was in um the client is that it's one of oh, the yeah, yeah. the John uh, Grisham movies uh that's how he started but he was also in Bully that's the other movie I know him from oh, which is yeah. the same guy that directed Kids Oh um, shit yeah. I don't think I've seen that You've never seen Kids? Oh I've okay. seen Kids but I haven't seen Bully Oh, okay. I haven't seen Bully. (laughs) Yeah, I've only seen Kids once, and then he directed Gummo, which ironically is about the 1974 tornado in Xenia, Ohio, which is like (laughs) one town over from me, right? Uh, Or it's it's about that that town right after that tornado, and then he directed Bully, which is about a group of friends who had a bully in their friend group that all conspired that it culminates where they all conspired to kill him. And then they all went to jail for killing him. Oh my. Um, but the movie essentially makes the case that like they had no, he was such an awful person and such an awful bully that they had no choice to do what they did. Uh, I haven't seen that movie, but it's, um, I have a coworker who actually just talked about this movie with me and he's like, you feel bad because you're glad he dies at the end. Like he does such a good job of acting. Like you hate his character so much. You feel good while they're killing him. Oh, wow. I could picture the cover yeah. of that movie. And I, I sort of know that guy's reputation. Larry Clark, I think is that direction. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but yeah, the, the cover of that is very, it's very grainy and it's a picture of him and he's got his head shaved and he's like, sitting with his arms like resting on his knees you know like yeah. sitting down oh i'm thinking of gummo that's the same guy uh, oh yeah yeah gummo he directed gummo too gummo yeah. one with that really weird looking kid on the cover big yeah. big hair yeah <laughs> or kind of tall hair um yeah so 
Brad Renfro died. I did. I forgot that he. I didn't even know that he died. But good. He's perfect in this. Both of them are. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Like, it, it's. I. I kind of. All I knew listening to the story was the cover of this, like the video box cover of this. Mm-hmm. But man, I can't imagine anyone doing a better job in either of those roles. Yeah. No. Uh, it was really perfect. Yep. Now David Schwimmer. <laughs> It's just is he the is he in He's there? The guidance counselor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he plays the guidance counselor who kind of figures out that Dusander, who impersonates uh, Todd's grandfather at one point, is not his grandfather. Yep. That all. I mean, I guess you, that all has to happen, and it's sort of interesting that he has a kind of a Jewish um, heritage and all that. Yeah, like, I think they like, added that for the like. Yeah, probably on purpose. On the movie. Yeah. Um, but he definitely like in the movie, they do a good job of sell. Cause like in the book, it's a bit much that the guidance counselor is the undoing here. <laughs> like kind of like years later, he's like, oh, I'm going to go to this guy's house. Like on a whim. He's like, something doesn't feel right. Yeah. But I think they do a good job in the film of setting that in motion to where you buy it more. Yep. Um, but then also God, that scene where Brad Renfo like turns on him and kind of dares him to, expose this <laughs> like yeah. is when you th- it really does a great job of like showing the like some sort of payoff for the devolution that that character goes through to like this curious kid to a true s- sociopath who's threatening this guy and his family yep. and you believe it like there's no doubt that the that he would do because you know that he has done worse um elias cody is, is in it who um I know best from the prophecy, which I, ha- which I also happen to know that Twinkie has seen at this point. And uh, I was texting Twinkie a little bit. The prophecy? Oh. Yeah, I remember one day, like, he's got that dull and ask why just buy if, if it's oh, a yeah, yeah, yeah. on iTunes. Yeah. And he's like, ah, give it a try. So I know he's seen that movie. Um, I would love to talk to. I would love to talk prophecy with Twinkie. Yeah, I that, so I think he that he movie might... actually shaped a lot of my like religion, my really? aspect of religion, like in the early like through the rest of the nineties into the two thousands. That like, yeah. Oh man, that'd be great. I he um he texted me uh, this week because he got uh, uh Leon the professional four K. Uh, blu-ray oh and he's like because i th- floated out there we wanted to talk to him and i know his schedule's a little wonky so yeah. i think he's up for coming on i think on the 26th of june like right before we're gonna go on a break yeah um so i think we should work towards that maybe we'll work the prophecy in as well because i would love to talk about that too that's um, two that's two recording sessions from now oh, oh fuck yeah yeah well, maybe we can get Double D on for the twelfth to do. Yes, fuck let's yourself. do that. Absolutely. And then we'll yeah. do the twenty-sixth with Twinkie, and we'll talk prophet. We'll we'll hear his take on prophecy and Leon the professional. Mm. All right. What other notes you got for App Pupil? Uh, let's wrap up I'm, App Pupil. Not many. I'm just making sure if, if there's any. Uh, I feel like music and company. No, no, no. Oh. All right, so maybe I'll just read this last note because I think this might be that same scene where he threatens um, the guidance counselor. Um, so I just, I'll cut this out if it's terrible, but I'll just, because I don't know what I'm about to write. But the last note I have here is Todd, American flag over his shoulder, asserts himself in the most confident, manipulative way we've seen 
since he bossed Dusander around in the Nazi uniform, like telling him to march and shit. Yeah. Uh, berates and blackmails David Schwimmer. Snaps, you have no idea what I can do. <laughs> it's kind of how the movie ends, I think. Yeah. Um, and David Schwimmer just kind of slinks off. But uh, yeah, those are those are my main notes. But I, it was um for such a fucked up little story. I. <laughs> I fucking thoroughly enjoyed this short story yeah. and the movie. Like, it's not that I sympathize with anyone either. It's not no. like you're on board for Todd or Doosender, any of that. It's you just feel bad for both of them at different points in that story, but you're never like rooting for either one of them. Like, no, you're, you're just kind of engrossed. Like you're, yeah, it, it's drawn in the quote unquote train wreck. Like you just want to yeah. like have to watch, right? Like you can't, you have to look. And you feel a little gross for looking, but you want, you need to know, like you need to like, how fucking sick is this going to get this relationship? And then they start killing people and it starts getting even worse. But I'm telling you, none of that shit is anywhere near as bad as the two scenes with this, with the, with the uniform, like, Oh yeah. Him, that's him making him put the uniform on and then do Sander connecting with that uniform again. And that's what gives him like, that's what lets him sleep at night because you realize the reason he wasn't sleeping at night wasn't because he was guilty for killing all those Jews. It was because he felt guilty for having to turn his back on his orders. Like he needed, oh. he, he was more comfortable being a Nazi than he was being an American, like the, like them being oh, an old man. Shit. Like, yeah. So he needed that uniform to get him back into that so he could finally sleep at night. Like that, that's why that's so twisted. Like that. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, like, oh. So, so that sounds good to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird sell, but I like. I thought it was quite, quite good. Both it, Out of all four of those, movie. that one felt like a Bachman book to me. It had the oh, tone sure. of a yeah. Bachman book to me. Like, yes. Um, just that makes that, a lot of like, sense. Yeah. Like that gritty, unapologetic, Dystopian, like yeah. sticking your nose in it. Like you're mm -hmm. gonna, you're gonna want to do this, but you're not gonna like it. You know, like like any of it. You know, which I feel like all the Bachman books kind of have that feeling to them. Yeah, like you just yeah. kind of feel icky when they're over, but you enjoyed it. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. And there's no uh, like supernatural thing. There's nothing supernatural about. No, the, no, it's all psychological force of. Uh, it's it's a mind fuck. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you one. gotta. Do you have a '94 movie that you want to just like oh. say '94 a '94 movie? I know we're almost out of time. Um, maybe got, I'll just tease. Uh, you got one you can I, tease in five minutes. I don't know if I can like tease through it, but I, I do have notes on Wolf that are probably as much as we talked about at Pupil. So we'll, we'll save that for another oh, time. Oh, save I that think. for Cycle of the Werewolf. That'll be a good one. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Yes, that'll be a good pairing. All <laughs> right. So let, uh, we'll end this then with the last uh, Palmer's Pleasure that I have. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Zedco is proud to present Palmer's Pleasure. <laughs> Steamy. No! No, please, no, no, too sexy! One of my favorite, we know if you're a regular listener of the show, one of my favorite genres of movies growing up was kid, what I dub as kid adventure movies. And it's something that I really don't feel like they make anymore. They don't make new kid adventure movies. 
and they're very specific. They're like those 80s PG type Goonies is a great example where PG-13 didn't exist and the kids got away with more. If you've seen the new version of it, if you take out all the scary like murder part, the kids cussing, the kids going off and doing living their own lives outside of adults and solving these adult problems, that's like that, those are kind of like clutch pieces of what I would dub a kid adventure movie. And I just feel like recently they just don't make those movies anymore. They make Pixar stuff, Pixar-esque stuff or stuff trying to be Pixar. Um or they make G-rated stuff or they make they take stuff that should have been R-rated and they dumb it down to PG-13 like the reboot of RoboCop or <laughs> um the uh I'm trying to think of another good one that's a good example oh, the, any just think of anything that should have been R-rated if you if you watched it as an adult and it was full of teeny teenagers and you did enjoy the movie probably because it should have been R-rated um <laughs> So, uh, in this past weekend, we had a long weekend. I wanted to find a movie to watch, and this was my top recommendation. Like, I turned on Netflix, and it was the top of the list, and I hadn't heard anything about it, and I watched the trailer, and I told Ash. And normally, it's like a long, extended process to pick what we're going to watch. But I was like, I think this is it right here, like the first one. And it was this trailer that we're about to watch, and it is a new like this guy it's not the greatest movie you're going to watch like it's not going to win any Oscars but this guy knows how to make a kid adventure movie and it's a new kid adventure movie oh, like cool. they they swear they do like it has all of the all of the best pieces of a good kid adventure movie so I already put the link in the chat and I'm going to show it here because I forgot to do this for the song. So this movie is called The Rim of the World. Uh, it's directed by... Let me bring it up. Uh, Mick G. So, oh, sure. Like uh, the Charlie's Angels guy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who else? He just directed something else recently, though, for, for Netflix. Uh, Terminator Salvation. We are on Charlie's Angels. Is that the new Terminator coming out? No, the um, Terminator Salvation. Oh, uh, the one with them. Okay. Yeah. Mysteries of Laura. I'm trying to think. There was one he just directed for. Oh, this is all producer. Let's hide that. I haven't heard that Direct. name in an awfully long time. But I'm glad. Oh, to the know that baby. He's doing. The babysitter was the other one he made for Netflix, which was a 2017 movie. Um, which now I want to go back and watch that because I feel like that might be a kid adventure closer. That one's R rated, I think. This is so this is rated TV 14, which Netflix gets weird, gets to bypass some of the rating stuff. Like they mm -hmm. they can rate things differently. Like they can say, well, this is a television show, so then they can get the TV rating. Mm -hmm. And I think that might let them get away with a little more. I I don't know. This is rated TV 14. All I know is the kids swear in it. They have all the archetypes. So do you have it queued up? Yep. All right. So you see this green cap where it's like four kids, mm -hmm. right? So you got the like the Leonardo DiCaprio looking one. 
on the <laughs> left. Like, doesn't he look like a young Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> yeah. So he's like the thuggy kid, and then you got the ginger. He's yeah. like the nerdy kid, and then you got this like badass chick right here, who's the Asian girl, and then you got this. Uh, and then you got the chubby, rich black kid. They like throw all those <laughs> stereotypes together into one. Uh, but this gets you like. This gets you all of your archetypes, like all your kid archetypes. So then any kid now can relate to one of these kids or multiples yeah. of these kids, right? Yeah. Uh, so let, we'll just watch the trailer. We'll do a quick reaction. I watched this movie. I loved it. It was so fantastic. Awesome. Like, uh, but we'll watch the trailer and then we'll talk about it and we'll get the hell out of here. So uh, right. let's play this in three, two, one. Everybody's gone. Look, honey, this summer is going to be great. You're going to make friends. There's nothing to worry about. Welcome to the Rim of the World Adventure Camp. Alex, I am your leader, Logan. I love you. And Dad, where are you going? I don't think we should wander this far. Maybe we should head back? Follow me. What was that? Never seen anything like them. It's Independence Day. It's June, Gabriel. We just need to wait here until the adults realize they love this. Did you see the size of that thing? Was that an alien? We need to find our parents. We gotta get to the city. Do not move! We're at war. You're not safe here. You've gotta go. We can't leave you! Data's key. It's on you now. This is a crypto key. It can activate our satellite defense. We should try to find JPL. It's a NASA facility 70 miles away from here. How are we supposed to go 70 miles? 1973 Ford Mustang Mach 1. <laughs> I can't drive a stick. Where's this? Oh, that's Jurassic Park homage yeah. right here. I love watching them let their bikes fall. Yeah. And we can't give up now. I'm your master now. No, the line is now I am the master. Okay, we really need Thank to get you. you a girl. <laughs> May I propose a toast? Oh, crap, this is from 1969. Could at least get some fresh wine if this is gonna be my first time, right? That's great. That looks like a lot of fun. Oh, it's it, it like you're never going to talk about it with anybody after you watch it. I mean, I am right now on the podcast, well, I guess. But future long walk short drink remembers. <laughs> uh, but I it's just it. It just worked for me. It hit all of my kid adventure movies and it was put out in 2019. Like it's like it. 
it's got all those great homages. Like obviously that kitchen scene is Jurassic Park. There's the Star Wars references. There's all these great little nods. He knows exactly what he's making and he nails it. It's awesome. just it's just perfect. Like even the melodramatic stuff that's over the top really reminds me of like the scene in Stand By Me when um he's like Chris is confessing about the the milk money, you know, yeah. and like yeah. And, and that and like River Phoenix, like it, it as an adult, you look back on it and you're just like, that's a little maybe he's overacting just a little bit. Like just but when you're a kid and you see that, you're like, you relate to that. Like you get it, you know? And yeah, and I think that's the best you're gonna get out of a kid. <laughs> absolutely. So they, get, they, absolutely. they get some of that here. And so you get you get that feeling a little bit. Like there's a like they, they all kind of have their little bit, their little confessional where you find out their little bit of exposition. And they're all a little melodramatic when that scene is happening. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, uh, it just, it, it worked for me. Man, did oh, it work for me? It that. was so good. It was just like, I mean, it's no, it's not like I'm gonna like play it as a double feature with the Goonies or anything, but <laughs> or any or anytime soon. But it was fresh and just really was a kid adventure movie. I, I just loved it. It was great. That is awesome. I yeah. Mean, just in tonight, you like you brought up a, a, a new song that hits you in the feels. Yeah. And a new movie that hits you in like the kid feels. That's yeah. great. That's, yeah. a, that's a, a one to win there. I'm, I'm yeah. interested so. in checking that out myself now, which I, I have not heard word one about that. So this news to me. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, just don't go into it expecting too much. Anything more than you would get out of the Goonies or any well, of those, you I, know, even and just it, that like, trailer, like hoping, hoping to see a little bit more from whatever that suggests. I'm yeah. Into. Yeah. So it's, it's good. It's definitely worth the watch for sure. Awesome. But, oh man, that's great. So I'll leave you with that. It's 1130. Uh, let's, uh, let's call it Quitskies. Yeah. We did some good work here. Tonight. Oh shit. We did a lot. Fun. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> let's see if we can get double D. If you're listening, let's see if we can get you hammered down, uh, for two weeks from today. That's going to be June the 12th to do. Um, we'll talk about unfuck yourself on that and catch up with double D. Uh, and then we'll talk cycle of the werewolf for sure. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, so you know how double D told the story about the scary movie house from the 80s oh yes and like yes. he'd only watched like 12 minutes of it and it like traumatized him even to this day that's on amazon prime right now like if the movie I'm, i gotta check but i think that was possibly i think there's a monster squad connection there let me double check um you would I know the you that. like you should just bring up house in imdb you'll know the box art 1985 Oh shit! I do know that Steve might. Yep, it's written by the guy that wrote and directed Monster Squad. Really, Fred uh, Decker. Yeah, Fred Decker. Yes. Okay. So he wrote the story. There, the screenplay was Ethan Wiley. That's what it says on. Oh, okay. But that it's that disembodied hand ringing the doorbell, right? And uh, 
that's on that's on Amazon Prime. So I'm gonna watch that before Double D comes on too. Oh shit! I, I sent him a text. I was like, dude, that's you gotta funny. watch it. He's like, no fucking way, I'm not watching it. <laughs> I'm like, we could do a long walk, short drink, remembers on this. It's a scary movie that traumatized you when you were a kid. He's like, yeah, I'm not doing it. Oh man, so, I'll try uh, to look that in. I, I'm like, I gotta. I'm like Splash fucking Mountain, man. Splash Mountain. You remember Splash Mountain? Uh, anyways. So That's yeah, so fun. let's see if we can do that, and then we'll see if we can get Twinkie on then on the 26th of June before we yeah. break for July, uh, and we'll do a catch up with him. And uh, what was your idea that we could talk about with him? Oh, oh prophecy uh, and uh, yeah, Leon the Professional is one Leon of the 1994 movies. It's your 94 movie, yeah. It was one of his initial suggestions of things to talk about when he oh, was first talking about coming on. That's the podcast. brilliant. Yeah, I'd love that. Um, all right. So yeah, so that's good. Um, let log walkers. Thanks again for, for hanging out with us, uh, for this episode. If you're listening to us on a podcast, uh, do us a favor, head over and subscribe there. If you haven't already either on iTunes, Stitcher, any of your podcast apps, Google play music, but leave us a review too. That'd be great. Uh, just cause that just helps generate more churn for us. Uh, gets more people listening to the show. Um, if you're not listening to us on any of those podcasting apps, you're probably listening to us like Moto does on YouTube. Uh, do us a favor while you're there, subscribe and ring the bell. So that way you get notified. We record these podcast episodes live on YouTube, um, every other week. So they come, they come out as podcast episodes. This episode will actually will come out on June the 5th, um, we recorded it though. If you're listening to this, not live on May the 29th. So every other week we will record live, and then that episode will be released in a nice trimmed down thing that Dave puts together um, as our podcast episodes. We're still trying to hit our hundred subscribers though on YouTube, so we can get our unique URL. So make sure you're subscribing there on YouTube, so we can hit that number. Uh, we're head at over. Ninety. We're right at ninety. Oh we're shit! We're just... ten away. Holy yes. shit! It could it's be this year. It could be this year. And we do that giveaway uh, with the Stand By Me Blu-ray and other long walks, short drinks, centric things to the to the person who helps. Yeah, to the to the hundredth subscriber, we will we will make sure we send all that fun stuff. So uh, head over to audibletrial.com/lwsd, uh, start your free Audible trial and download your first free audiobook on us. Um, actually, it's on Audible. It's not on us. Yeah, uh, uh, different different seasons uh, has apt pupil as yep. well as the body uh, sta- slash stand by me and uh, uh, you Shawshank really get four really awesome Stephen King novellas that three of which have been turned into films, really good films for the for it's really the most bang for your buck in my opinion. Yeah, my getting, first Frank Muller too, like uh, one of the best narrators. Oh. Easily, in my opinion, the be- one of the best narrators, him and Frank Muller, uh, Frank yeah. Muller and George Goodell. George sorry. Goodell, yeah, yeah. This is he narrates that. Frank Muller narrates different seasons. So get that on us at audibletrial.com/lwsd. Otherwise, follow us on Twitter at lwsdpod. Uh, you can email us at w- um, lwsdpod at gmail.com. Um, otherwise, Dave. It's been fucking real, man. This has been an episode. We got a lot in this episode. Jesus. Yeah. It's great. old school. Just like, what have you been up to? What are you yeah. doing? Yeah. I no really shit. enjoyed it. I love it. Uh, it's been real, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. 
Thank you, sir. I'm so glad your house didn't get blown away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am too. I am too. <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, thanks a lot, Long Walkers. Thanks for listening. You guys have a great, uh, great day, evening, whatever. You happen to be listening to this. I hope it's great. That's right. Until love next you. time. Love you, sir. Yeah, love you, love you love buddy. You listeners. Yep, and we will talk to you soon.